0: hello and welcome to the 250 your weekly podcast of the imdb's top 250 movies of all time i'm darren i'm andrew i'm alex i'm grace and today it's march 31st 1999 this is the world that you know
1: world as it was at the end of the 20th century welcome to the world of
0: tomorrow why do you always have to say it that way
1: haven't you ever heard of a little thing
0: called showmanship
2: (laughs) the alliance did stay together it is now stronger and more united than ever and i thank my fellow leaders in the alliance for their fidelity and their fortitude these
3: emails would be sent to 50 people in your address book essentially crashing an email network take comfort in our strength we have new facts about a nationwide conspiracy these members are profoundly happy they're not forced to stay but once they
1: join they never want to leave here's their latest recruitment efforts I don't understand the idea of living with just one person for the rest of my life I mean life is supposed to be a ride right
2: Could we be so wrong about him?
4: Um, I I think there's sort of two levels I would answer that question on uh, Charlie. One is that um, you know uh, Americans um, we're not very good at judging evil just as a general uh, uh, proposition.
0: Merger and acquisition activity which last year uh, was over a trillion dollars in the United States and this year Pretty strong as well today just another case in point exactly today uh, news of talks between companies in consolidating industries now we don't have any of the big deals that we are so accustomed to seeing but nonetheless you've got talk of a 25 billion dollar transaction in the oil industry and talk as well of what would be even more extraordinary in fact the largest of all time those talks have quieted though but uh, nonetheless the FT reporting about Bruce Myers talking to Glaxo when you look at those market values right there that could have been a record year a few years back Share is still number 1 with Believe in the Billboard Top 100. Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer is at number 6. No Scrows by TLC is at number 8. Hit Baby One More Time has dropped out of the top 10. At the US You're box office. number two to five? <laughs> 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 it's a very honor to that,
3: um, uh, top of the pop. Um,
0: ben Affleck and Sandra Bullock are at number one at the box office with their whirlwind travel romance, Forces of Nature, is in its second weekend, taking a that total gross of $13 million. Wow.
3: <laughs> That's number six. <laughs> Matt
0: Matt Groening's Futurama premiered uh, three days earlier, March 28th, um, about a delivery boy from the year 1999 who finds himself thrown into the distant future of the year 3000, where he works as a delivery boy. Um, On British television, the failed TV show Doctor Who has been revived following its 1997 TV movie for the Children in Need sketch, uh, The Curse of Fatal Death. For the first time, the Doctor regenerates from a man into a woman, from Hugh Grant into Joanna Lumney. It's also the first script written by Stephen Moffat, who will spend the next 20 years trying to do the same thing with the regular show. Hmm. Bill Clinton has announced that the NATO bombardment of Yugoslavia will take place. Uh, It launches on the 28th of March, lasting 78 days until the 10th of June. Hillary Clinton has announced she's considering a Senate run. Hickman
3: Ewing, where, where we <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hickman Ewing and our Kansas Independent Council reveals that he drafted a draft indictment of Hillary Clinton, claiming she lied in her disposition about the Whitewater case. At the same time, George W. Bush, Texas governor of Texas, has announced that his exploratory committee has raised $6 million to support his presidential bid built around compassionate conservatism. Never happened. Lol. <laughs> um, meanwhile, uh, in terms of prosperity, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed above the 10,000 mark for the first time on the 28th of March. Uh, on the 13th of March, Poland, Hungary, and the Czech Republic joined NATO. Um, and around the evening of March 26, 1999, the Melissa virus was released by David L. Smith. In December, Smith will plead guilty to releasing the virus, uh, sentenced to 10 years in prison, serving 10, 20 months. He was fined five thousand US dollars. Number six in the charts. (laughs) Um, The arrest. The the it was the first computer virus to really grab uh, national international attention. Um, He was caught as a result of an investigation, amongst others, including um, the FBI, the New Jersey State Police, Monmouth Internet provider, and a Swedish computer scientist. It's estimated that in purely in blocking up um, and sort of clogging the internet, the Melissa virus caused eighty million dollars worth of damages. Meanwhile, uh, in cinemas, on March 31st, 1999, The Matrix uh, was released. So we've invited Grace and we've invited Alex to join us to talk
3: about this. Not, but, a, not about The Matrix, all, of those, Africa, all yeah. those events. Yeah. 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 Um, well,
4: I was 10, so I don't remember any of that, <laughs> shockingly enough. Yeah. But
0: do you guys remember anything about... Because what we're doing is we're doing a season where we're talking through some of the best and worst movies of 1999, which mm. is, you know, celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. regardless Just the year. The year <laughs> itself. <is the year laughs> but it, it's regarded as one of the best mm-hmm. years uh, in cinema. A wide range of releases. It's very strongly <laughs> represented on the 250, as we're discussing all these films that'll be on there films including stuff like american history x but also things like the sixth sense fight club uh, the green mile and the matrix do you guys have any strong memories about 1999 in terms of movies i know you're only 10 years old grace but like even retrospectively
4: yeah drop dead gorgeous was out that year an iconic perfect film starring kirsten dunst an iconic perfect actress so that's 1999 in a nutshell
0: for me. And The Virgin Suicides was also released as well. Uh, Sofia Coppola.
4: Yes, but I first. did not see it that year. Ah. So.
0: <laughs> um, and Alex, yourself, do you have any? Yeah, it's funny because when you're
1: going through that list, there were every now and again, you know, obviously I don't remember the bombing of Yugoslavia, but I do remember when Futurama came out. Because this was, again, I, I was, you know, I can't, I was yeah, eight or nine years old, but it was around that time where I didn't just sort of, I stopped passively, I suppose. Um, in you know taking in pop culture and actually started being like wait i like the simpsons and the guy who made the simpsons has made a new thing and was getting excited about this new thing and it's funny because this i'll talk about a little bit later on but that was it really was that time where you're a kid and you just watch whatever's on the tv Mm -hmm. and you're like oh this is on oh this and now that was definitely the time i started thinking i want to watch that film or i want to watch that show or i want to listen to that music yeah yeah and it's funny because we're talking about Top of the Pops. I do also remember watching Top of the Pops and seeing Cher as number one. That's another distinct memory I yeah. have of watching. She was number I actually one for six weeks. Yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. Uh,
0: in fact, we'll actually neatly bookend her tenure. She was she was ascended to number one when we did Baby Geniuses last week, and this is her last week at number one. At okay. Okay. Um, Fair play, Cher. Worth noting as well, in the time since Baby Geniuses, the Oscars were announced. um, Shakespeare in Love taking the top prize. Mm.
4: Um, (laughs) Where's Jay to share? Would you stop? (laughs)
0: Um, And at the Golden Raspberries, um, it turned out that Bruce Willis won Best Actor for his performance in Mercury Rising and Armageddon.
4: I was Uh, waiting on the sixth sense there.
0: And also the, um, the Spice Girls won Best Actress for their work in Spice World. Losers. yeah. Um, I know, it's, it's,
1: I mean it's a very loose category Worst
4: actress indeed My
1: partner's literally in London tonight to see The Spice Girls in, uh, Sweet. Everyone's got their fingers crossed that Posh will come out On stage because really, it's, it's in it's London pic- and apparently near her home But <laughs> I don't think this will happen <laughs> so She'll watch yeah. it from the window with a glass
4: yeah. of champagne going yeah. hmm.
0: Hmm. It's, it's like Bohemian Rhapsody She's sitting there tugging the light switch Hoping that it comes on and the yeah. other Spice Girls mm. will recognise it um, But yeah, kind of a Is dull- that the Laura Albert Hall?
3: Is the question. No, I have a feeling I Has a feeling it's Wembley, unfortunately. Um, So they can run up the steps dramatically and get stopped
4: by a policeman? Yeah.
0: But it is one of the interesting things about doing this, and particularly in the context of the things that we just discussed, is that there's a tendency for 1999 to still be with us in a sense. I think the cultural critic Kurt Anderson has argued that things like fashion uh, haven't really moved on a great deal since the 90s. Fashion? Fashion. So things like men's suits or the way that men are dressed, the way that women are dressed in particular, like you could take somebody from the late 90s. There's a
4: real regression into 90s fashion these days but there was definitely a period where there was not but <laughs> so, I, th- I think but Andrew- the, the fashion that's kind of in vogue especially like that all the kids are wearing today is like Cher from Clueless It's from earlier in the 90s yeah. but it is weird to now be old enough to be like I remember when people wore that the first time
0: and yeah. unironically as well yeah. Um, yeah. but I mean even even things like for example we mentioned like the names that we mentioned there the Clintons are still obviously a huge cultural force the idea of and her people up are Clinton. still
4: threatening to put Hillary Clinton, Clinton in, in prison, prison. And, how, and, yeah,
0: and how little has actually changed and then this brings us neat to The Matrix uh, which was a groundbreaking film Um, it was the highest gross good job (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah which is The Matrix released by the Wachowskis one of the most influential movies of the late 90s of 1999 Uh, one of the most iconic and one that casts a very long pop cultural shadow Mm. do we remember the first time that we saw it Grace and, and Alex do you remember the first time that you saw The Matrix did you see it in cinemas or did you have to wait for home media
4: um I don't remember the first time I saw it I remember, I've gone straight to um, I think I've mentioned this before either in this podcast or the other one But there, when we got our first slew of DVDs The Matrix was one of them And you know that thing on a DVD where you can like skip
2: to different chapters
4: We used to watch that bit where they come into the lobby And just waste the place over and over again yeah, Like same, we didn't watch yeah. the rest <laughs> of the movie We just watched that part Could, But yeah. I can't remember sitting and watching the whole movie for the first time It was just sort of not there and then it was there But I just loved it instantly, clearly. we're like, go back to that part, watch it again, watch it again, watch it again. No, it's funny because
1: like even when I was watching it recently for this, I remember like the part where the chapter would begin on the DVD. Mm -hmm. That'd it be like, oh, he's pulling the chair. I know the next 40 minutes like the back of my hand <laughs> I <laughs> watch it so yeah. often. That cut, yeah. That cut, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that I mean, bit
4: in the lobby opens but just, it just shows him like slowly walking in yeah. the door <laughs> with the bag and you're like, yeah. oh yeah, get well, ready. Here we go. Here yeah. it goes.
0: <laughs> and I, I mean, even in terms of home media as well because again, this this happened around the time that DVDs were kind of becoming a thing. DVDs would out, outpace the sales of VHS for the first time in the year 2000, largely powered by the success of the release of The Matrix in late 1999 time for the Christmas market. Mm. One of the things that I remember about The Matrix is again, it was one of the first uh dvds that we rented um because dad had bought a dvd player he was very excited to show it off and The Matrix was one of the showcase DVDs because it famously had the... First of all, it was one of the first with those special features on it that you could mm. interact with mm-hmm. and the White Rabbit featurette, yeah. uh, which would pop up on screen, follow the White Rabbit and it would allow you to interact with the screen and to bring up little picture within picture but also launch little kind of featurettes that would look at things like how these sequences were shot and filmed. And it was kind of a huge sea change in, in that respect as well.
3: There was a special um, DVD release as well of The Animatrix and at, at at around the same time where they had stuff like Ghost in the Shell and other kind of um uh, uh, Matrix related or Matrix inspired kind of anime. Thought, yeah, the Animatrix is, was like twelve short
1: films between yeah, the two. That was really yeah. I did like the Animatrix a lot. Um but I thought that was a few years that was a
0: few years after the fact. Yeah. That was around two thousand two, which would have been when ah. the first sequel was released. Um but yeah so in terms of the Matrix as well the Matrix was kind of groundbreaking because it was the most successful R-rated film of 1999. It um, also, to a certain extent... R-rated? Well, that
1: was a big deal for me because, like, I was telling the story the other day, but um, I, similarly, I knew nothing about The Matrix. I was eight years old or something. But I saw the front of the DVD and the local extravision in Navin. And it's just Keanu Reeves in sunglasses with a gun. And I was sort of like, what, what's this? <laughs> and... Uh, Brought it to my, my... No, I didn't bring it to my mom because I knew it said it was 18s. So what I did is I went and peeled off... I knew a PG wouldn't work because he had a gun. So I peeled off like a 12 sticker from another one. Clever. Stuck that nice. On Very <laughs> good. And brought it over and then was like mm-hmm. white knuckling it as the extra vision guy, you know, took the DVD. and I was like, Is he going to notice? <laughs> as if the teenager working in the store wouldn't notice that the orpcare. rating was yeah, off
3: and I brought this home, He's and appropriately... like the button, to shutter has come down. Yeah. In place <laughs> the place been the, yeah. the, 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 the L- first... Little baby Alex has walked out yeah. in cuffs. Uh, it's like
0: that scene, and then they put like a thing with in your my lad. stomach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, Mr.
1: Towers. Um, yeah. yeah. Um.
3: living two lives. Exactly. <laughs> but I remember By watching day, you're a computer the... programmer. Uh, but...
1: I remember watching it on like this big curved Dell monitor, because we'd worked out our PC actually played DVDs. Ah. And this was why... And appropriately watched it on this like old 1999 computer and then with the big back on it and stuff. Yeah, and I had to keep pausing it because I was showing my younger brother, who if I was eight was seven or maybe six, like (laughs) far too young to be watching this. And I had to keep pausing it and explaining, like, we're all in a computer program, Michael. <laughs> so yeah, pay attention while you're watching. it's important. <laughs> but yeah, it was based on that poster alone, just of of
0: Keanu Reeves with a big gun and sunglasses.
4: Yeah, the world doesn't change that much. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much the cover Sonic of Reef. John Wick. Well,
0: that Wick. Yeah. well, that, what I mean, like you want to point to John <laughs> Wick is obviously directed by Keanu's stunt double from these films. There's beautiful in, symmetry there. Mm. Um, and obviously starring Lawrence Fishburne as well. Um, in the last one, oh, foo. Fu. yeah, but, horse <laughs> <Fu>. yeah. <laughs> and horse and dog in in the. Yeah. The
3: latest one yeah. but
0: I mean even things like and again it's, it's great because they interviewed the, they did a lot of interviews around the 20th anniversary of the film they talk about the stuntman who's like who plays Keanu Reeves and does a lot of like Reeves does a lot of his own stunts in there. we'll probably talk about that in a moment but he's talking about like on his first day on set was shooting that lobby sequence and there's Amazing. a moment where he has to do the flip And while he's flipping, he has to pick up the machine gun Mm. and fire the machine gun while all this stuff is exploding around him. And this is his first day on set as a stuntman for Keanu Reeves. And his abiding memory is that while this is happening, Joel Silver, the producer, the infamous (laughs) Joel Silver. But he literally says to him, you know, it takes us 18 hours to set up all of this for the explosion. (laughs) You will have one take to do this. Uh. (laughs) Don't mess it up. And walks off. That's the end of the conversation apparently um, uh, Chad uh, Steleski had to be told after the fact that was Joel Silver mm. for him it was just some random stranger who told he's him he's like
4: don't. who's this feckin' agent coming over <laughs> telling me do I only have one shot of this i got get a few rehearsals surely
3: <laughs> yeah I mean, they, 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 you probably do that kind of um, half uh, half awake anyway That's It's like a cartwheel I don't gun want gun to do on that. the ground it's like who left that gun <laughs> <again>? I'm going <laughs> to pick it, do, it do, up you like have like a little cartwheel can you make the room explode while I'm doing it as well
4: my favourite part of that, though, is the way like the way it's edited so that the music cuts out for a split second yeah. when he picks up the gun. Yeah. So it's almost though. like him going, like, sorry now. Yeah. Then, <laughs> back to it. Yeah. Like, back
0: yeah. to it. But in terms of, like, cultural impact, The Matrix has had this huge kind of cultural footprint in terms of things like the red pill to mm. cite an example and this is something that we're gonna to have to reckon with a bit when we talk about the movies in 1999 because again another one that we'll be talking about and alex has volunteered to join us for that one as well will be fight club which has a similar sort of legacy i'm worried to that people are gonna think i'm an incel i just
1: sort of like <laughs> said oh yeah i loved those films you know as a teenager. i will talk about them and now i've realized way from
3: there <laughs> it's the red pill and the first rule yeah um it's like, do you do, like self-identify as very high IQ? Yeah. Let <laughs> yeah. me um, just take off my fedora. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, I suppose before we get into talking about the movie in a bit more depth, there's really kind of three questions that we want to ask. And the first one is, do you think that The Matrix, the, the movie that we just watched here, belongs on a list of the top 250 movies ever made? And Grace.
4: Yes. Unquestionably. Yes. Yes.
1: I would agree, yes. Um, it's it's incredible. I mean, uh, we're probably going to talk about a lot of the personal reactions to it, but I, I do think... Like, I was at a music festival two weeks ago, and Charlie XCX was um, playing a song called 9099, and she was, like, dressed up in Matrix gear and dancing around what the stage. What, was she five in and, No, that's I what I... Yeah. <laughs> that was but, like, even just watching the films that came after that, and like, not just... Science fiction films, but action films—the way things mm-hmm. were shot. Oh
0: yeah, know, we'll be talking a lot, a lot was, about that as well. The, the influence that it cast, the shot. Like it's I mean, you could, yeah. you could argue this invented the superhero genre among many, many other things that yeah. it did. It invented the modern conception of the action hero in contrast mm-hmm. to like the the still muscle bound kind of Reagan carryover sort of stuff oh, yeah. or the the nineties sort of like corporate man as action hero. This invented us, gave us like the skinny nerd as, as yeah, action, like hero. the just
4: cerebral a, action movie. Yeah. but it's also it's just such a perfect like I always think of this. as um, and um, Run, Lola, Run It's like that. Mm. This, Which is another 99 this film. This perfect microcosm of turn-of-the-century cinema because it just captures everything that was so culturally in vogue then. Mm. Like, if you wanted to represent a moment in time, these two films just represent that period so perfectly for me. It's yeah. Like, this is what it was like to live in 1999 and have everyone around you freaking out about Y2K and... The end of history. Yeah, exactly, and the exactly. Yeah,
0: nothing is moving forward. Progress is an yeah. illusion. Technology, is the strange new yeah.
4: future with technology. Yeah. We're living in a yeah. perfectly
0: prosperous, perfectly stable world with no existential threat to it. But don't you feel empty inside sometimes? Mm-hmm. But even like it
1: was the idea. Like there's a scene early on. I'm sure we'll get into it later on. Is you know when he's captured and they, they put a bug on him. And yeah. because it's such a sort of evocative film and it's got all this great imagery. The bug is literally this like horrible scrambling <laughs> yeah, bug yeah. that climbs under his skin. And it's it's such a good like sort of like twist on the whole privacy thing of like yeah. waking up and are they tracking me? Well, there's actually like a crab in my
0: stomach and <laughs> yeah. it is tracking yeah. me, yeah. That's sort of wonderful literalization of it to a certain extent as yeah. well. Ick. Um, and Andrew, what about yourself? Do you think this belongs on the list of the top two hundred and fifty movies ever made?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like it had been a while and there they're there, there are bits in the movie that I'm not, uh, like, uh, crazy about. But I think overall, like the the, just the impact of 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 this movie, like watching it after kind of so many years, I'm like, oh yeah, this is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
0: inadvertently end up watching this three times in the past week. Um, inadvertently, yeah. Well, I mean, well, at least one of those was unintended. <laughs> it's but... Tied down and forced well, to watch it yeah.
4: <laughs> while your hand walks itself yeah. over to the DVD player, strapped into a
0: machine <laughs> and put in a pod and forced to watch the matrix it you were just of-
4: testing that thing we're making for jay cinema of experience to make yeah, sure that's it works
0: uh, um, but no it, it, it and it, it kind of it holds up and it's amazing first of all the first time i visited i was impressed with it because uh, i was kind of worried about how it would hold up in terms of things like the um you know, again, I like be talking about that cultural context of the '90s, but the idea of how it's been appropriated since by certain voices—the red pill—you mm-hmm. know, this sort of like the embodiment of kind of how it has. I don't want to say the worst fandom, but a fandom that perhaps, maybe, doesn't flatter it. If we want to be entirely honest, mm-hmm. um, and the first time but I watched, There's
3: a lot of that in the movie as well. Yes, it's a completely understandable why they would have those that sort of fandom. people latch on to that. You can't say like, "Oh, this fandom doesn't represent." Um, the, uh, the the movie or what the movie is saying, maybe, or understands that like the f- fandom does feel very represented by uh, by the movie, yeah, and it's a very good fit, yeah. You know, for all of the the, the like a, 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 a lot of the things kind of a lot of a, a lot of just the kind of statements in the movie, like um yeah, but about the the way the way kind of like Neo is sort of um described or the way he's told that he he. Um, he's
1: literally plucked from an office and told you special the yeah, he's, yeah the he's, he's the one is. he's yeah. like he's Rooms the one yeah. an yeah. identical
4: yeah. office where they're all wearing the same outfit so there's like yes.
1: a wish fulfillment it's like oh I'd like to learn that language oh give me two seconds Boop, and, and it's, it's into a, your brain yeah. I mean no yeah. Kung Fu there's yeah.
0: a very strong argument that this is Star Wars for the millennial generation for 1999 you know this is Star Wars updated to reflect the cultural anxieties of 1999 Star Wars being a story about a generation coming to terms with Vietnam and the idea that their parents had sort of betrayed the principles that ideally the second world war had been fought with and trying to come to terms with that and the matrix is that same narrative to a certain extent it's another chosen one narrative it's another story about being told that you're special and you're going to change the world you're going to shake the foundations of the world as we understand it and you know you're key you're an inheritor to this like mythic lore that is so much greater than the life that you've been told that you you have to live
3: it's very much a fairy tale yeah Mm -hmm. like even like they won't reveal too much but like parts towards the end where it becomes like very um, kind of uh, uh, clearly a, a, a fairy tale yeah mm.
4: there's a literal oracle in it yeah yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Um, alright then so Grace would it be on your own top 250 movies if you had 250 movies that were your favourites would this be on that
4: list yes yes it would this ranks quite highly in terms of my overall top Whatever, favorite films, 15 or 20. I can never pick fewer than that. But it's in there. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorites. I love it. Because this is also one of those ones that, like, I watched it a lot. I don't remember the first time I watched it, but I remember watching it a lot whenever I did start watching it. Um, Keanu Reeves being in it probably did help, full Mm. disclosure. Um, But yeah then I didn't watch it for ages and then I remember distinctly I hadn't seen it in years and then a few years ago when I was in Luxembourg it was playing at the Cinematheque which is like this little revival house that they have over there um so I went along and I was sitting there going this is amazing how had I forgotten how good this is it's it's awesome I love it
1: no I I would agree and echo Uh, similarly when it came out I became obsessed with it it was the first DVD I bought and I remember like waking up early in the morning before primary school to try and like get if i could get a, a quick matrix watch in you know? and then <laughs> wow. um, and it was funny because I, I remember like the l- bunch of knuckleheads i used to hang out with in the housing <laughs> estate like we all gelled our hair and would just like deck ourselves trying to run up walls and stuff so, <laughs> the it's Did kind of sweet because yeah. the other thing I was going to say is, is popular
3: at the, around the same time but of course the, it was, it was hard weird because now yeah. it's the same time around the same time as Columbine yeah I Columbine happened say, yeah. less
0: than a month later um, and this is the thing where Columbine kind of casts a shadow obviously not a direct influence the, the kids had been writing threats to do this since 1997 but the media kind of latched on it and the fact that they were all dressed in black and the fact that the iconography mm-hmm. of coming into a public building and, and firing machine everyone, guns yeah. at everybody you know the most ubiquitous example in pop culture at the moment the columbine happened was the lobby scene that we talked about earlier
1: i i always kind of think though like absolutely and this film is sort of horrifically violent in, in parts but whenever i think of like Idiots like myself, age nine, watching this film and being influenced by it, I do think of like trying to run up a pebble dash wall and breaking my wrist. And <laughs> thinking like there were probably uh-huh. a lot of idiots like me yeah. out there trying to do stupid stuff like that rather mm-hmm. than... Um... But no, and the other thing that would put make this on, and kind of like what Grace was saying on one of my like very, like, quite high up on my list, is this was one of those films, it was the first film really where I started looking behind the camera. Like I remember yeah. clicking into a special features and watching John Gaeta's thing about how he actually did the bullet time where he like created a ring, a ring of cameras of yeah. and that yeah. just like had me I like I was telling my parents I'm going to film school now and things like like that just had me and
3: the every... had you
1: exactly <laughs> for years after that that was like the and I drifted away from it kind of like with Grace like that was the entry point to like getting into more interested was... in films and, and and it definitely took years and then when I was in college the screen was showing it and it had been about 10 years since I saw it and similar it was, like this is incredible mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah Yeah,
4: right from that moment at the beginning when um, Trinity kind of freezes in midair and the camera pans around, you are just like, oh my God, remember this?
0: This is, that's the moment that again, Will Smith was almost Neo in this, but that was the moment that the Wachowskis tried to sell him on, because he remembers they came in and they sat him down and he started, when he read the script, he had no idea what the script is and he recalls a meeting with them where they tried to sell him on this and they Mm -hmm. were like, imagine you're jumping, but in the middle of your jump, you stop jumping and you're just there. And it was like, I mean, was like, I was, you know, at that stage, what, you know, 30 odd? I couldn't wrap my head around this concept. And in fact, actually, it's telling that, like, there was a reading list with the script for The Matrix. You had to read, heard, uh, like, yeah. yeah uh, Baudelaire, is that the, how you pronounce his name? Baudelaire? Baudelaire, yeah. Um, and you had to. Baudelaire? Uh, um, Baudelaire? Baudelaire, there we go, Baudelaire. I think the we, uh, and Simulacrom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That,
3: that's Baudelaire. Baudelaire. I or is it a book? Yeah, anyway, sorry. But
0: yeah, you had, there was a reading list and in order to to like to get the part you had to be able to explain the concept of the film back to the Wachowskis in plain English to understand to explain that you actually understood the movie that you were making, which Fair is enough. quite an interesting thing as well. Apparently Reeves is a notorious study. Um, he's like, all of the directors who've worked with him have noted oh, yeah. that. Like, oh, he's
4: a big book nerd. Oh, he's like, a huge he book nerd. He reads yeah. loads and loads and like really like proper literature too, not like beach reads. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I yeah, think so, he came back with like essays where he was like, "This is great. We should also do this," and they were like, "Whoa!" Can yeah. can just count down mm-hmm. there, Keanu. He
0: was reading again. I think Hugo Weaving's talked about where it's like, "I, I read the books that I was given." Keanu Reeves was asking <laughs> yeah. for homework, mm. <laughs> um, which is a very Keanu Reeves sort of sentence there.
3: Um, I, yeah, and he he's he's a good one for kind of busting out like a a a big word or or a word where you're not sure kind of like how how is it uh, on Mayo and He's famous for coming up with edit. I, I think um, he was asked a question about the movie and he was like, well, it's Quantum, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, and uh, I think recently he spoke about the Gestalt, like, in, yeah. like talking about, yeah. So. He's so, like,
1: perfect for this role, from, like, mm-hmm. the, yeah. like, wide-eyed general, like, whoa bits, from the, like, and the bits in the office where you do kind of see, you could see him in that office and then... At the end, like literally being a god,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that um, he was apparently a compromise because um, apparently they had a list of actors that they wanted, including people like um, Will Smith, for example. I was going to say this
4: what? is going to be the most more show list. Johnny I'm just Depp. Waiting on it. That That's it, exactly.
0: Wanted, yeah. Johnny Depp wants was apparently a
3: rap at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he explains the plot of the movie. That's it. That like, all, the world. World. all the other, yeah. all the other <laughs> actors have
0: to explain it in spoken language in <laughs> plain English. Um, Will Smith has to rap. Thomas Anderson, <laughs> <a rough writer>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he did go and do Wild Wild West instead of this. Yes team.
0: he did, which
4: he describes as the that was wor- a poor decision. Um
0: they yes. also wanted Brad Pitt. Uh, um, and apparently Val Kilmer, although if you to hear Will Smith tell it, what happened he was probably did
4: Fight Club, right? Instead, um, he, prob- the same time, he, so he probably uh, like, didn't yeah.
3: really suffer. I guess, yeah.
0: From- Nicholas right. Cage, and also, can you imagine Nicholas Cage in this role?
4: I can, <laughs> and it's a very different movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, the bugs, the, oh, yeah, um, <laughs> um, the bugs, not the bugs, not the bugs. And apparently Val Kilmer, although to hear Will Smith tell it, what actually happened was they wanted Will Smith for Neo. Um, and he was saying that if they went with him for Neo, there was no way the studio would green a movie led by two black actors. So Morpheus would then become white, and apparently Val Kilmer was going to be Morpheus. But I in the most.
4: Make oh, great I, I great think morpheus. Val Kilmer would yeah. make a great Morpheus. Have, oh, have you but not I'm, heard
0: Val Kilmer's you conception? You told me this yeah, story. Val, Val and I'm
4: still like, he would be the most absurd, <laughs> over the top idiot. But it would actually, I think, really work because he just seemed like this completely erudite, like spaced, yeah. out of touch, philosophic in the corner. And Neo here going. F-
0: he <laughs> her- just for, for the listeners who are not, gra- not Grace. Val Kilmer's conception of Morpheus was sitting down, having read the script, and instead of explaining the plot in the movie, the Wachowskis, demanding that they explain to him why Morpheus wasn't the hero of this story.
1: It's funny, oh, though, uh-huh. because having watched it again, it's, it's maybe because I'm older when I watch it, I actually was, like, watching Morpheus a lot more. Like, yeah. he's yeah. just
0: trying to get this together <laughs> yeah. and organize exactly. the team, yeah. and I was like, so much more for Morpheus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So much more. Um, but Andrew, sorry, would this be on your own personal 250?
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I probably I probably would put it up there. And um, I think it's it's quite, I guess, on the nose about some of the kind of philosophical points think- it's making. But I don't know how many kind of movies we're really tackling to, to, to this extent are using this sort of um, science fiction kind of premise. To get this kind of idea of the kind of shadows in the cave, yeah. mm. like um, ac- across the people. So yeah, I, w- I would put this on my list. What about what about you?
0: Funny you should mention that actually, because like one of the things that's been argued about the Matrix, and I think it's actually a very fair point. They have in done much uh,
3: books on like uh, philosophy. Oh uh, the do, yeah, yeah, the
0: Matrix has an entire section yeah. in your local library. But think about the Matrix, and it's, it's been argued, and I think it's actually a very good argument. And I, to be clear, I don't think it diminishes the film in any way shape or form before i make this argument uh, but it's an argument by people like say mark harris and and bill jabari and i would agree to a certain extent as somebody who's a big fan of 90s culture is that like star wars it isn't necessarily that the matrix did something that no other blockbusters had done it's that it did all of these things together mm. so for example like you mentioned the idea of the cave the thing is there were a whole slew of kind of movies and science fiction movies that came out in the years leading up to the matrix that dealt with this metaphor it's a very 90s anxiety the Truman show to pick the Truman show to pick an example ed tv dark city um stuff like existence the 13th floor um no I mean the dark city is very much the matrix like Mm. dark city is like you know it's a world that is reset every night to in order to have people go through the motions within it it's like literally moved and rearranged it's a clockwork version of the matrix the 13th floor is a movie about computer simulations Mm. inside like a computer simulated world trying to make sense of the world in which they exist and the logic of that world as it, as it kind of defines their existence and things like that but even things like David Cronenberg's existence to pick an example Chris Carter's harsh realm on television um, and the idea that it just it kind of picked these ideas that were floating through the air you could argue even an extension of things like um, the stuff that Oliver Stone had been pitching in JFK this paranoia and anxiety about this idea that the world that you're given is a lie Chris Carter's work on the X-Files and kind of galvanizing it into one thing even stuff like the stunt work which was kind of taken from Hong Kong action films. And sort of like bring that over to an American audience and very stuff like John Woo,
2: that. Yeah. yeah, very
0: John Woo. I mean, the stunt choreographer um, is kind of a famous Hong Kong sort of action star. They spent ten months with the cast beforehand training to go through the motions and I stuff like that. I love that. Oh yeah, but well, he,
1: he, 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 he he broke his he neck. Broke, or something yeah, he broke his he? neck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't do ah. the training in the same way.
0: Yeah, that's why he doesn't kick as much. Um, apparently, Agent Smith doesn't. <laughs> but apparently, Agent Smith doesn't kick as much because Hugo Weaving didn't want to kick. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> apparently, like Keanu Reeves' fight style is less kick-oriented than Trinity's or even Morpheus's uh, because uh, of that broken neck, and so he couldn't move his lower body as much. Mm, um, but yeah, so Grace, if people haven't seen The Matrix. You what recommend? have you been
4: doing with your life? Well, I
0: mean, it's it's twenty years old now. It's quite possible that some of our it's listeners weird, yeah, are younger. Celebrating
3: its twentieth birthday, and like, do, do we make a big deal for its eighteenth birthday or its twenty first? Like, those are the we'll big ones. We'll all meet really. back in here, yeah, uh, week in 16. a year
0: yeah. for its twenty oh. first. I think it's good that the Matrix is out of its teens. <laughs> yeah. Like looking at the teens in the black trench coat and the oh, sunglasses been a rough couple and of years. the French philosophy. Hmm. I feel like the Matrix's teen years would have been unmanageable. I'm quite happy to welcome it into the 20s. This is the point where it's like, the Neo phase was cool. You know what's also cool? The Thomas Anderson stage. I'm going to go to an office. I'm going to get a job. It's going to be responsible. I've thought about my work here, That's Mr. What
3: everyone did in their <laughs> 20s there.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um, Before uh, we all started segwaying back into our, our youthful selves.
0: Um, but yeah. So, and Alex, would you recommend if people no, haven't seen this? No. Nope. Oh, sorry. No, Alex. sorry. I would.
1: I would. I, I, I really would. And and I think for the reason you were talking about there, it's such a perfect distillation of like four or five different things together. Like the it's the action film. It's the an action film with a really really smart idea behind it. This this idea that we're all plugged into a, a fake world and 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 it takes these things and then like has so many different sort of aspects to it that are just so recommendable to cast or incredible. Lawrence Fishburne is
0: is so good in
1: this film. And it's kind of what I was saying earlier about, like... The man
0: had, like, a supporting actor Oscar nomination for Boys in the Hood. Like, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's weird to think of this as...
1: He's sort of got this yeah. incredible sort of zen quality to him. And then we'll also have bits where he's, like, scared and he's emotional while still maintaining this sort of... It's just... And yeah, Keanu yeah. Reeves, is, it's like the perfect Keanu Reeves role. It, it's going... It's the full range of exactly why Keanu Reeves is so good and so watchable. Yeah. And it's just incredible. The the effects really hold up. And I think mm. part of the reason is because they're so based on, that is Carrie-Anne Moss running up a wall. That yeah. is Keanu Reeves bending over. Mm. That is Laurence Fishburne powering through a wall. Yeah. And, you know, Hugo Weaving as well. Incredible. <laughs> In a suit. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's so, he's such yeah. a good villain. He's so... He's great. And I remember not like, I mean, we, we won't talk too much about the sequels, but I think one of the reasons I didn't engage with the sequels as much is because I felt that... The main human characters got more and more robotic, but Hugo mm-hmm. even got more and more over the human, top and yeah. zany and human, whereas they became more kind of like machines. You know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the issues, not to talk too much about the sequels, is that like you're trying to one up a movie that is pretty much pitched perfectly. Like the mm. climax, you point out the 40 minutes from, and again, this is not a spoiler because. A character grabs a chair in this movie. Yes. But like the forty minutes following the character. The character grabbing, grabbed the chair. That was the <laughs> chapter part. Yeah. <laughs> but the like the forty minutes that follow that are just like the perfect blockbuster climax. And I think one of the issues with the sequels is that they try to escalate from that. And it's not something that you can do because mm. like, it feels like the matrix is at the perfect level for what it's doing.
3: Mm. You have the big dog pile. Yeah. That's it. The burly brawl.
0: Mm. Cause I mean like the, you know, not to get too specific, but again, it's a movie where you weaving is a bad guy. So the climax involves a sequence where you weaving and Keanu Reeves fight and it's amazing. Yeah. And you can tell that when they're doing the sequel, it's like, well, that scene worked really well. How do we escalate that for a sequel? Yeah. And the answer is, can we get all the CGI you weavings?
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and it no. doesn't
1: quite work. I was such a nerd that I, I consumed like every single part of Matrix, other stuff. So like yeah. the sequels, all the, the video, video games, games. the yeah, animatronics. Really I was gonna say there's one called Path of Neo where you sort of play as Neo all the way through all the films, but like right at the end. The, the, the Wachiskis come on screen and say, you know the way in the films you have this big sort of like finale with Agent Smith? That doesn't really work for a video game, so we've designed something else. And you kind of fight like a Godzilla-style Agent Smith smashing up a city. But for a video game, yeah, it, it works, works really, really well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, it is worth noting, actually, that again, in terms of like The Matrix inventing modern Hollywood, and this is the only time we're going to talk about the sequels before we jump into the spoiler zone. Um, But like, one of the things that's been argued is that the film's sort of prefigured in a very rough and abstract sort of way and not doing it as efficiently as like later iterations. But this idea of a shared kind of like larger kind of postmodern sort of interconnected uh, storytelling universe. And like one of the arguments that's been made about the sequels, in particular, The Matrix uh, Reloaded, which is the second one, is that the Wachowskis very cleverly and very canly, and perhaps too far ahead of their time Tried to create a much more interwoven uh, matrix. So, a uh, much sorry, much more interwoven sort of narrative. So, you had the Anna Matrix, right? Mm. Which had the last flight of the, Os- the Osiris, which was one of the shorts in there. It was the short that premiered before Dreamcatcher. Uh, which was the, ha <laughs> do we remember Dreamcatcher? Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do. Um, it's possibly the most notable thing about Dreamcatcher is that it had a Matrix short film that aired before it. But the whole point was that that short film gave you a context for the stakes in Reloaded. Mm-hmm. If you hadn't seen that short film before you saw Reloaded, all you had was just a wall of exposition and no emotional investment. Simultaneously, at the same time, you had the video game... Enter the Matrix, uh, which was an yeah. interquel, so to speak. It was Incredible. designed to work in parallel with the narrative of Reloaded, so that mm. they fit together like a glove. It featured special so there scenes
3: were things happening, kind of where you have characters in yeah. Reloaded, Reloaded who like go Monica Bellucci, yeah, and then they're in the video, video game. game for yeah. the scenes you don't see, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: and they all kind of fit together like a jigsaw. And so, one of the things that's been observed is that, like, one of the issues with Reloaded is that it feels like you're watching a half-assembled jigsaw mm. when you see it in cinemas. And this idea that the Wachowskis were perhaps over-ambitious with their shared universe. And one of the things that people learned from it when like Marvel or Disney designed their shared universes was the idea that not every piece was essential. Not everything had to fit together. To design it so you could see Infinity War without having to watch Civil War, for example. And like it's kind of interesting that The Matrix was perhaps not only genre-defining in certain ways, but overly ambitious in others, which is is remarkable and a, a wonderful testament to it. But Andrew, if people haven't seen The Matrix, would you recommend that they watch it?
3: Yes and i probably wouldn't recommend people uh, w- watch watch the sequels mm. yeah uh, i think the sequels are interesting
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: The I, don't think they're anywhere near interesting
0: to I don't think they're anywhere near as good as the original
3: film, but I think that they just, deserve more credit. You're going to definitely like say, just to be clear, this is not a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then talk about all the interesting aspects like, of it. Yeah. And then have somebody say, you're an idiot. Yeah. That's pretty much,
0: <laughs> that is my life. Um, apparently. Um, but anyway, um, so let's move into the spoiler zone. His own. So, Alex, what is The Matrix about for you? Can anyone tell you what The Matrix is, or do you have to see it for yourself? I think,
1: yeah, I I, I think that the second, I think it is something that, you know, the more you explain something like this, the more you sort of, like, reduce it to its barest sort of essence or its barest sentences. It doesn't work. It's, it's an incredible, really, truly incredible idea. This was a film that, like, actually blew my mind yeah. uh, as a kid. And, you know, every now and again you do see some idiot like Elon Musk who will just be an interview like, oh, yeah, no, I fully believe we're, um, we are in the Matrix right oh, yeah, Oh, like, yeah. I remember watching the movie thinking, <laughs> this so is, much of yeah. this movie
3: went, like, full cloth into <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk's um, head. <laughs> just pure yeah. Yeah, Just like, this like, like, is the world. The yeah. artificial <laughs> intelligence being, like, the big kind of, like, threat that we face. And mm-hmm. maybe he's right he probably kind of knows more about some of these things than another than maybe some of us but yeah. but also he just seems like an eccentric Billionaire. Yes. it
0: um, yeah, yeah. has more money than this is. Well, I mean, like, it's yeah. it's been argued, like, the New Yorker in 2016 reported that many people in Silicon Valley have become obsessed with the simulation hypothesis. The argument that what we experience as reality is, in fact, fabricated in a computer. Two tech billionaires, and I'm guessing one of them is Musk, um, have gone so far as to secretly engage scientists to work on breaking us out of the simulation. And I love that, like, there have been, like, interviews If we with- can
4: break out of the simulation where Elon Musk exists, that's something we yeah. can all welcome, I'm sure. Well, I mean, this Silicon Valley in general. <laughs> exists.
0: Well, I mean, this is one of the things where, like, the the scientists who came up with the theory of the simulation, who came up with the argument that Musk is very fond of citing, there. It's great when they're asked about Elon Musk because they're like,
4: uh, he's an idiot.
0: Well, uh, they, uh, politely, um, but yeah, that their tone is pretty cool. much like have. Have you thought at all about, like, what what would happen... <laughs> no, just
4: have you thought at all.
0: No, no but, like, have you, has anybody really thought about what would happen if we were a computer simulation? Let's imagine we were a computer simulation. We- and let's imagine somebody was running us on a computer. And let's imagine... If for one moment we were to figure out how to break out of the simulation that was being run, mm. what do you think the person running that file on the computer would do mm. the moment that it looked like we were going to break out of that simulation? Yeah, that's it. The Sims yeah. is it's dead. It's funny because
1: like one yeah. of the Animatrix films is about that. It's about a, a an Olympian runner who gets like so into the zone in running that he's like running so fast and hard that he breaks out of the matrix and wakes up in his little pod and starts screaming and then like goes back. And no one believes him because he's gone thinks he's gone crazy.
0: It was a good little good little story. So. <laughs> little premise on there as well. But yeah, I mean, and, and it is. This is one of the legacies of the kind of matrixes in like mainstreaming that scale of thought. I mean, in particular, like we've had a lot of like it's common to joke at the moment about things like the simulation being broke with Trump and Brexit, for example. You know, things like glitches in the matrix to explain yeah you know, situations and changes to the status quo has become part of the language that we use when we talk about the kind of the world around us. And it's remarkable that a movie has that level of, effect Mm. really yeah by
3: Um, by the way if if we are living in the matrix then elon musk is the cypher character who said like when he was leaving i want to be really (laughs) rich (laughs) (laughs) like an important guy and they just didn't properly wipe (laughs) his mind i I think the ringer uh,
0: had the ringer had my favorite take on this which is right so the argument is Actually, what happened in The Matrix is Cypher won. Like, Cypher betrayed the team and they all died. And The Matrix was produced within The Matrix in order to placate us all in case any of us got any glimpse of it. Mm. And what actually happened was Cypher was rebooted and reinvented as Pitbull. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me (laughs) Pitbull. Mr. Worldwide? Mr. Worldwide. Who (laughs) conveniently happened to appear on the scene in the year 2000. What are the odds? I do like the idea that Agent Smith
1: is like hearing his, his pitch at dinner. Which also, like, how do you organize a dinner with Agent Smith? It's like, yeah. will we meet at the restaurant? Okay, yeah. But then he not? hears, like, I want to be someone important. And Agent Smith is what like, yes. I eat? have just... That's good to stay. I'm going to make you into pit <laughs> Mr. Worldwide.
0: Because <laughs> Agent yeah, uh, Smith is particularly vindictive in that sense. There's <laughs> a, a really cruel monkey paw type situation to this.
4: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being Pitbull.
1: It didn't really make sense though. Like, What guarantee did Cypher have? He's like, okay... Once I've killed all my friends, we meet in a safe place yeah. and you go jealous. out of your way to do like <laughs> several things. Makes, yeah.
3: yeah, he has a social security name, <laughs> yeah. he has a surname, uh, uh, Pitbull, his yeah. first name, uh, Ludicrous. Featuring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a surname. Um, yeah,
1: yeah.
4: But Also, yeah, it, was that not a, a plot hole in there somewhere? That that time that Cipher meets with Agent Smith, like who who plugged him in and who plugged him out? I think he was that. doing
1: that. I was
3: thinking that as well. I, I don't think was like he was, he was,
1: doing like, that he was working at it. What were the theories? And then Kenny yeah. Reeves came up to yeah. him and he was turned everything off. Yeah, like presumably um, yeah. he set That's a little because, timer. You know, the something. way
3: this, the way the scenes. Oh, he sort he of could be pretending yeah. to be in the construct?
0: actually, he's in the matrix. Yeah, it's like why are you conversing with Agent Smith in the construct? Oh, it's just a program I'm working on. Yeah, it's called My Dinner with Smith. We're just having a good. Homework. (laughs) oh that's boring (laughs) you don't want to know any sort of you don't want to pay any attention to that interesting and again one of the things that I think really has aged rather well about the film is the sense that like and again Smith. when Smith talks about this and when Morpheus lays out what the Matrix is there's the implication that the Matrix is 1999 and has always been 1999, just and will always yeah. that's it. Will always be 1999, which is kind of that very strong kind of end of the millennium anxiety that, yeah. like you know, the world will just be thus forever. There will mm. actually be no sense of progress or change or evolution. You'll just be stuck in a perpetual
3: now. Because you wonder, like, he should have called himself pitbull.com. <laughs> <And> <laughs> all he the money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He's going to come out in 1999. Yeah. Um. But
0: yeah, I mean, in terms of... So was this the first time that you guys were sort of exposed to those ideas? And did those ideas have any real impact on you? This idea of, like, simulationism and stuff like that? Yeah. Because, I mean, like, a lot of people would have been exposed to it at a young age. And I think, for me, as a teenager, there was a phase where I was wondering idly if I was in the Truman Show. And then I realized it would be the most boring Truman Show imaginable. Um, But,
3: But, like... Like, doesn't everyone go through, um, uh, like, these uh, uh, solipsistic thoughts? Yeah. Am I real? In I can't
4: say I've ever thought like that. No? No, like, not in this sense anyway. Like I remember like reading about like quantum theory and string theory and the idea that, you know, there are multiple universes and stuff like that. That I could buy into, but not the idea that we live <coughs> in a simulation. That went right over my head.
0: But they, they... I was like,
4: that's nonsense. What are in, about
0: incidentally, quantum physicists have argued that it's actually impossible to construct, uh, to simulate quantum reactions. And therefore we can't possibly be in the matrix. That's their counter uh. argument to it
4: maybe i uh, just Alex went straight to that like, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah what if the what if the matrix just programmed mm-hmm. that to think program them
3: to think that that's exactly. the
4: question mm-hmm. now i
0: believe
3: mean... in quantum reactions
0: yeah thank you we're just blowing the mind I, <laughs>
3: yeah, I, yeah. I
1: did like as well that like the sort of city when they go into the matrix that he is sort of like From any base. city usa it's called like yeah. basin city or something is it in some I, yeah. I can't remember it's seen but like there's a bit where he's running through a market and all the signs are like sort of there's a giant sign for just bananas yeah (laughs) and there's like a guy carrying boxes and you know it feels well famously
0: shot in sydney yeah but
1: it feels like like they're they're not npcs in a video game you know it actually does have this feeling of like and now we're at the hotel Mm -hmm. and now we're at like there's a billboard for a gun that is like spraying out little little bits of smoke at
3: at the very start (laughs) like you get to the end of like the like to the save points. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And it's like, oh, to the train station. And I remember looking yeah. at the train station, being like, where is this train going? Yeah. There's one train. Like it does it. Yeah. It's everything slightly off. It's like. Yeah. Um, New York and Eyes Wide Shut you know it's it's not really New York There's it's something built on a awesome. set it's, yeah. it looks set it's, it's, it's well, I mean like that's
0: the thing the opening sequence with Trinity feels a lot like it reminds me a lot of Burton's Batman yes it has that sort of like highly stylized and again the, the music in the background playing over that is a bit of a thing we have a bit of like the Danny Elfman style piano as they're running and the police officers are scrambling and the, and like stuff. rooftops mm. are this like playground of like catwalks and things you can
4: jump yeah. over and
0: run on and everything yeah
4: giant glass buildings in the background yeah. to bounce off gracefully yeah
3: the the other very video game bit about it is the is like a, it's like okay first let's go to the gun store yeah Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you let you select your pick gun. up your itinerary. you're going to do a tutorial now where yeah. you're going to learn how to fight. Yeah, yeah. call yeah. someone to, to save and it. exit the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um yeah it's 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 it it like I I wonder how how much of that was kind of the um. The being kind of like keyed in to all of that sort of... Mm. Um, well, the Mur- Wacousies uh, were
0: famously huge nerds. And in fact, like, right. he went, and again, Hugo Weaving's interviews are always great to, to read because you can tell he has a lot of affection for them. Yes. But he's very much like they were huge nerds. <laughs> now, it's like I was talking to them and like immediately... letter
3: BDSM techno yeah. Uh, <laughs> nerds. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And immediately came across to me that they were nerds. They knew what they were doing but they were definitely nerds. They were not cool like me, Hugo Weaving. Hugo <laughs> Weaving. <laughs> but yeah, this idea of kind of like... Because they were very... Very wired into what, what basically happened with the Wachowskis is that they initially came to Warner Brothers' attention uh, writing the script to Assassins. Do we remember the movie Assassins yes, I do. with no. Antonio Banderas and Sylvester Stallone? Yeah, and Julianne Moore. Julianne ah, Moore. and directed by Richard Donner as well. To give mm-hmm. you that Superman connection there. However, the experience was so traumatic that they swore that they would never write another script for Warner Brothers again unless they could be guaranteed that they would be allowed to direct and adapt their own work.
3: They're So behind this so, though Like even like Down to the
0: green titles well, They did Yeah no no But I mean They did Bound Bound was the next movie They did I remember uh, tracking
1: oh. down Bound after Seeing The Matrix Being like Can't wait to see Their earlier work And like
3: 11 year old me just, <laughs> 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 What Lesbian <laughs> <otherace laughs> Noir yeah. film Wow okay. um, Tell me about Bound
0: <laughs> Andrew's like You mentioned lesbians You mentioned like, <laughs> I am all in on this it's Gina Gershman, isn't it, if I remember correctly? And oh, it's yeah. Joe Pant... <laughs> and that's, showgirls? In there. Yeah, that's Showgirls? Yeah, up Showgirls, way, And that's Joe good. Pantoliano <laughs> is the ambassador sort of carried over into the Matrix as well. He and had
1: a great year. He was in um, Memento the year. He was in well. really? yeah. Wow.
0: And so was Carrie-Anne Moss was in Memento as well. Yeah. So yeah, you had a nice sort of over there as well. But Bound carryover. was successful enough and so far successful above its cost and budget that Warners, and again, Warners have this history of doing this where they'll be like... Warners, it's been described as thinking of the box set. Where Warners will keep financing people.
3: You've said this before. We call them Warners now. Yeah, because we're on second name terms. Mm.
0: Um,
3: <laughs> like the yeah. Jack eventually. Yeah. come. we're going right to get now. there eventually. Jack, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, my friend Jack. But like Warners have this, okay, Warner Brothers have... <laughs> no, Warners is fine. Yeah, it's much quicker as well. Warners have this tradition of just bankrolling talent because their idea is that eventually, first of all, they'll average out mm. um, over time. And second of all, when you have an entire back catalogue that you can sell, it will make you lots of money in the long term. So this is why they do stuff like Clint Eastwood. Where Clint Eastwood mm. would famously throughout his career do one for you and one for me. So it's like, You're giving us a Dirty Harry sequel. It's like, really? And they're like, okay, you can make that movie about Bird Mm. um, Mm. if you want. Um, And it's like so with Stanley Kubrick as well, where Kubrick's like, I want to make a Vietnam movie, but I'm going to shoot it in England. They're like, sure, Stanley, go to town. We'll give you all the money you want for it. I want to make a Tom Cruise movie. They're like, yeah. It's going to be an erotic thriller. And they're like, ah, But it's like, (laughs) take take the money anyway. I mean, this is how you get stuff like their relationship with uh, Nolan, for example. But even things like bringing on Ava DuVernay after the failure of A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, where they Warner Brothers have kind of eagerly drafted her in to work on stuff like the New Gods movie because their idea is that they will foster a relationship thereon. And even the Wachowskis, who arguably never had a film with the same cultural, social, or financial impact of The Matrix. And again, that's a huge ask of any director to do that again
3: or mm. do that continuously. Warners have steadily. Close with kind of, well, not close, but like quite an impact with V for Vendetta.
0: Obviously. Yes, but they didn't actually direct that. That was James McTee technically. Oh, uh, like I mean, we talked about this when we did V for Vendetta. There were rumors about what happened on the set of V for Vendetta and no, there no real concrete proof one way or the other. But there is some suggestion they may have stepped in during filming or even in the ending as well to right. help out. But they wrote and they produced V for Vendetta, but that was a James McTeague film. Hmm. But things like, for example, Speed Racer, uh, things like, for example, Cloud Atlas, things like, for example, Jupiter Ascending, all of which... And yeah. I wanna I wanna be clear yeah, I wanna be clear on this. I absolutely adore all of, all them. of them. No,
1: I'm <laughs> a fan of all of them except for uh, Jupiter sending them a little else so um yeah. but the other yeah. two I just adore and love. But
0: yeah. they're not like they're not movies that you can imagine any studio going and you're gonna cast Channing Tatum as a giant dog, yeah. right? So Hugh Grant is playing a cannibalistic savage, you say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much money so. do you want for this? Yeah, it's like but um and I like that but the example is The Matrix was an early example of that because it was quite literally like as long as you stay within budget, you can do whatever the hell you want. And in fact, there are stories about the Wachowskis actually dealing with Warners where Warners would come in and they get a little bit nervous at certain points in the shoot. And what the Wachowskis would do is when that happened, they would literally just walk off set, go into the office backstage and just watch baseball games until Warners said, OK, fine, do what you <laughs> want, guys. Or, you know, as they were at the time. Yeah,
1: it takes a yeah. lot of gumption And probably like Having made one, one film <laughs> yeah. And then directing this I presume like A hundred million dollar film Like oh The helicopter exploded weirdly We'll have to do that again You know like yeah. That's a huge step yeah. Wow Fair play um,
3: I, I feel like Kind of um, If Warner Brothers Were to come and say Okay fine You've made your point um, you can go back on set now. We'll stop buttering the set. Actually, this baseball game has gotten really interesting. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I we might just hang out here for yeah. a little while longer. Uh, it should be noted that Wachessis are notoriously detail-oriented.
0: I mean, the uh, Chad Stileski, the, the stunt double who went on to direct afterwards, has talked about how what basically... He did John Wick, right? He did John Wick, yeah. He directed John Wick. Um, but he talked about how... When he was given the script, he was also given storyboards. And the storyboards were pretty much a comic book of the film, Mm. illustrated by the Wachowskis. You talked about the level of attention to detail that went down to the green font that they used. Do you know what the green scrolling down the screen is? Do you know what the green text scrolling down the screen is? Sushi recipes. Very good.
3: (laughs) Nice. Wow. Yeah. Way to go! Alex. Yeah, oh, I, 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 I got
1: really into the the font for a while. It was actually nominated for a font award uh, when the guys created this. Was yeah. it like papyrus? <laughs> <font-o-way>? uh, no, <laughs> oh. um, <Sorry. laughs> and he he sort of created it with that like distinctive green glowing, and and apparently it's it's sushi recipes. But apparently there is a whole like like it is an actual language
0: that yeah. can be like you know deciphered
1: and deciphered yeah
0: um also worth noting famous for bullet time actually if we're talking about the film technically speaking um
3: funny that that didn't take off. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there was like a, there, there was a time when like you'd be watching say the super bowl or something and i don't think they do this anymore no where they would be replaying a play and they'd have like the the uh quarterback like at the snap yeah. And then it would just pause and go around, around, yeah. like like in bullet yeah. time because they had set up all the cameras, cameras to, to do it. I was <laughs> thinking, this is going, to, going this, this, to, be you know, this is going to be all the future. is going to be big. I mean,
0: David Edelstein's talked about how the last time that he saw it in twenty nineteen, like, was at the E Awards, where you have the little uh, sort of like board that people stand on, and it does bullet time around their sort of dress, so you can get that sort of like effect. In I slow would motion. say that, like, yeah, the,
1: the the bigger effect I think is is focusing on. Sequences in an action sequence kind of what you were talking about grace that you almost have this like pause in the middle of an action sequence and I think that is a stylistic thing yeah. is everywhere like that's mm-hmm. in every video game I play that's in every big all those Marvel films always have these moments of like slow it down for a second and I think that's probably more of the legacy of, of the yeah. bullet time even if yeah. we're not spinning mm-hmm. cameras around people in the yeah. same way.
0: Um, it is worth noting that, again, bullet time, this is one of the things where the Wachowskis didn't necessarily invent it, but they were very keen, sort of like magpies. They popularized, and they popularized it. They popularized it, and so they synthesized speak- it into something more convincing. The mm-hmm. first mainstream example of it was a Michelle Gondry 1996 Smirnoff commercial. Um, in 1998, it was used again in a Gap commercial called Khaki Swing. Um, and even... It actually appeared, and, and this is kind of nice. I like um, the
1: idea that they were still calling it "bullet time." They're like, "But this is an ad for jeans," so and like, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, bullet well, time. <laughs> um, I see. I see where this is going. But it was <laughs> also
0: Max
3: Payne. Yes. Well, Max Payne. was going to Max Payne. Yeah. Well, Max Payne Max Payne, well. yeah.
0: Um, but even like the weekend before the Matrix was released, um, or actually, sort of two weeks before the matrix was released another, innocence. <laughs> another big movie and by the way it's not baby geniuses but another big box office smash cultural juggernaut was released famously pioneered bullet time getting there before the matrix and will always be remembered for that it was james was it uh, malcolm mcdowell and freddie prince jr I, uh, in wing commander oh, Wing Commander Remember. includes a bullet time shot or a shot that we would retroactively recognize as a bullet time shot. Wow, which yeah. is kind of cool. It's a wonderful, like, parallel development. Of course, The Matrix did it much, much yeah, better.
4: Yeah, n- nobody saw Freddie Prince Jr. being in that film, right? Hmm. <laughs> the film that <laughs> gave us bullet time. Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a, a lame video game adaptation at that. Uh, but yeah, so it is, it is kind of... It's a remarkable piece of work. And you mentioned the slowdown of action scenes. One of the things it's very good at is... It's exposition. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very good at explaining itself. Oui. Um, In particular, like it's worth noting, again, I watched it three times in the space of a week. And it's amazing that it never drags. Because mm. like the first 40 minutes are incredibly dense in world building and information. And a lot of it's very vague. A lot of it is intentionally vague. So I, do like- love,
1: I do love um, Morpheus's sort of plan of like, okay, I've got this guy. I've got to tell him that the world he's been living in is not real like how will i do this all right big white room and then i'll just like wham cut to like <laughs> as he calls it, the desert of the real. Yeah. And he's like saying all these like mad things out of an audience. It's great. But I remember thinking, did they all go through this? Did they all go through like Morpheus's like truly bizarre way of explaining what's actually going on? Maybe
4: he like adapts it each time he does it. So he's like, so that part didn't go down particularly mm. well. We're going to change it With, for yeah. the next T- person. They lost ne- their i no, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. like, would co- you
4: mind filling out this feedback forum What worked for you? It didn't. Warner
0: Brothers come in and Morpheus just sits down in front of a 1959 TV watching like plantations yeah. of yeah. humans until they walk away. <laughs> yep. Um.
4: The hilarious
3: thing about that was that, like, it's like this is the first time that we've done this with a grown up. Yeah. So previously, <laughs> children, yeah. children, we've been putting yeah. Yeah. them through. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the desert Probably, of the real, yeah.
4: ironically, Little. much more likely to go along with because they're like, all right, yeah, yeah. sure, it's, it. it's still plastic. <laughs>
0: No. Yeah, well, the, the 8 year old kid watching the dead bodies being fed to a baby
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Jesus, no that wonder... would go right over that your head when no, you're yeah, a child yeah. you're like whatever and then it's you'll wake up when you're like They're 25 like... someday and just go <laughs> like what was going on there
3: no i want to go back to that bit before <laughs>
0: yeah no, no wonder cypher and trinity seem as messed up as mm-hmm. they are to be fair mm-hmm. uh when you compare that to like tank and dozer who are yeah. happy go lucky yeah. they're like, like yeah. laughing giggling <laughs> yeah. they love like doing stuff on the computers yeah
1: yeah i,
3: I love like that the idea of like all of the potentials are children Kind of Neo, yeah. So I imagine, like when he arrives at (laughs) the the Ark, he, yeah, he, 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 he says, "Okay, Keanu, yeah, you go in here. I'll be." I'll be down the <laughs> corridor with the other uh, uh, parents, and yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> like, oh, how old is yours? It's like, <laughs> it's 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 like a, a uh, casting party. session. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I love the idea that the little
0: Buddhist kid with the bendy spoon was doing like there a mind screw, screw. Mm. but it was like it's like I just sent that guy in there, mm-hmm. <laughs> thinking that the, he he didn't bend time, but he bent himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I kind of I do wonder if like ever they got a little bit wary of Morpheus, kind of just coming in with a different adult <laughs> and being like. Maybe start. This one didn't go insane when I told him about it. (laughs) (laughs) He's definitely the one. One of the things that is kind of interesting about this is that one of the readings of The Matrix, and it's become increasingly common um, since Lana Wachowski came out in 2012. But again, a lot of people in the transgender sort of criticism, sort of media sphere, have argued that they've always argued this since the film was released. Is this idea of the Matrix as a metaphor for gender, uh, transformation, gender dysphoria in particular. Um, And in particular, this idea that you mentioned there of, it's been cited, one of the examples is that thing of Morpheus saying, we don't normally do this with adults, Mm. which is one of the... Arguments within the transgender community in the late 90s, I believe, based on what I've read, about whether or not you could change gender or whether or not you could healthily transition after. And that goes back to the,
1: the children, actually, because all the children yeah. are, have their shaved heads and they all yeah, kind of look kind of androgynous. androgynous. Yeah, androgynous. Yeah. It's very interesting. I mean,
0: even things like the red pill, to pick an example, that's the color of the easterton supplement. Yeah. Um, that was kind of given out in the early 90s. Um, things like, for example, when Trinity's introduced, when Trinity first meets uh, Neo, he's like, I thought you were a man. And she's like, most guys do. It's been pointed out that like one of the great things about the romance at the core of the the Matrix is that it's essentially like two characters who are gender queer versions of one another, mm-hmm. where like they look like distaffed mm. counterparts of each other. Um, yeah. It's also
1: the, been noted uh, that Switch I was, was going to say in yeah. one of the earlier the scripts Switch was going to be um, Essentially one gender outside the Matrix And a different gender in the Matrix mm-hmm. Which yeah. would have been very cool. But I
4: think that's like If if I were reflecting on what the Matrix was about From my perspective when I was younger it's like It, it wouldn't be um, that specific angle But certainly the idea of a world That has created you in a certain way And expects you to behave a certain way Because of that mm. And then there's an opportunity to break free of that And reject whatever you've been brought up to see yourself as being um and behave in a way that makes more sense to you and feels more comfortable to you i think that is a really compelling argument both from a transgender person's points point of view um but also just growing up as a woman in general and being treated like you know you're less than or you're supposed to act or behave a certain way and then to have a character like trinity in the middle of all that who embodies someone who's very tough but very what's the word i'm looking for Like there is an emotional side to her like what she feels amazing. yeah like she yeah. feels like a human being but one who's very smart and uncompromising and f- expects you to fall in line and I think that's a really her motivation is so humane yeah like I love it, the it's part very where kind
3: of almost fairy tale oh. mm. yeah but
4: also the part where they decide they're going to go and rescue Morpheus and she gives them the little speech where she says yes, I believe you know it. Morpheus means more to me than he does to you and I believe that I'm your superior so if you don't <laughs> like yeah. it you can F off kind of thing um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure it's little I moments am. like that I just think are really powerful but in, not in a really like showy way they're just very matter-of-factly stated
0: yeah um, just on the the transgender reading beforehand it is worth noting the climax of the film takes place in a subway station alex noted this earlier and in fact the subway station actually had to be designed they looked at a number of locations they couldn't find one that matched this is notable because uh when Nana wachowski accepted a human rights commission award in 2012 she talked about how when she was facing her gender dysphoria um she would repeatedly go to stations in Chicago, um, the L train, and she would consider stepping out in front of the train um, as a way of ending her life. And it's been pointed out that in that context of that confession, stuff like that, you have the sequence where Smith throws Neo in front of the train and holds him physically there. And he says, this is, that is the sound of inevitability, Mr. Anderson. Mm. Um, And that's the moment where Neo affirms his identity. Smith has been calling him Anderson for the entire movie mm. um, and Neo's never called him out on this in that moment Neo says "My name is Neo mm. Mm. and he pushes himself he leaps out of the way of the train um and I kind of I, that sort of jumped out to me when I was doing sort of research and I'm not the, the first person to point that out but it kind of it does no it's fascinating because mm. I again
1: um in researching this um, found a talk by Lana Wachowski where she actually sort of talked about um, how so many people have sort of especially since she and her sister have transitioned um they've actually been a whole sort of like rereadings of a lot of their different films and she was talking specifically about the matrix but she sort of said kind of to your point grace that so many people you know have sort of identified because the themes in this film are sort of themes about wanting to sort of become who you truly are and achieve a better understanding of self and all these like very positive themes that a lot of people can engage on and on the one hand it's great because you can sort of like pick up all these ideas that you've been talking about but on the other hand i think that's also probably why there's a healthy chunk of the internet who all think this is about the red pill the red pill exactly yeah Yeah.
0: um yeah it it is worth noting i mean one of the things that's been argued about the legacy of the matrix and we'll come back to trinity in a second actually because i think it's good to kind of come back to the good stuff and get the the unpleasant stuff out of the way first Mm -hmm. uh one things that's been argued about the matrix i think bilge barry argued this around about the 15th anniversary. And his argument was that, like, the Matrix's lasting cultural legacy, and it's ironic that he wrote this uh, before, like, 2015, is one of negation. Is that the Matrix effectively gave an entire generation an excuse that they felt so inclined to read the movie in that way. And Andrew's entirely right. It's not like they're misreading the movie. It's not like it's not there or they're they're applying like warped logic to it. It's they're taking what it's saying at face value and just applying kind of their own logic to it in a way that's coherent and makes sense. But to check out, to to disengage, to negate, to say that I reject this reality, I reject this idea of consensus reality, I reject the idea that you know the world is thus, and therefore I have the right to impose my own reading on it. So I can reject things, and the Red Pill is like rejecting in yeah. inverted commas feminist orthodoxy or you know whatever liberal snowflake. Uh, yeah, something. that's exactly yeah.
3: There, there's a lot there because I guess of uh, polarisation. Um, of um of groups where where kind of I guess politically you kind of either believe one set of things or 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 another kind of increasingly yeah. so if you don't um agree with every um kind of um uh, belief in that set then you don't belong to that grouping yeah mm. yeah then it becomes quite um sorry what point was I trying to make but well, the but yeah that 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 is it 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 then becomes very kind of like p- p- people people feel that the these orthodoxies become per pervasive and oppressive mm. yeah. and then start kind of like r- r- raving against them where where the the real kind of um it, like issue isn't the the orthodoxy yeah really the issue is the
0: self to a certain extent
3: yeah. well yeah it, it, it yeah it's it's it kind of like you look at the the these people who are kind of like very online about about these sorts of issues and talking about how everyone's gone mad about yeah and 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 you wonder well kind of why are you choosing Mm. this particular thing uh, thing thing to be angry about yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's funny because you
1: know i mentioned previously the uh the film is kind of Horrifically violent in scenes. Yes, and like one of the incredible scenes is the one we'd be talking about earlier, Grace, where you know, eleven-year-old me was like jaw on the floor because he he loads up with like eight million guns and walks into a lobby and just shoots everything. Yeah, but watching it again, you know, the poor security guard is like, oh, any all metal items in the basket, <laughs> and then he shows all his guns, and you're like, awesome, and then you know, he takes out Uzzies and just blows yeah. apart all these like kindly-looking security guards. <laughs> one of them rips his
0: paper in half; he's in so much pain. Well, yeah. and, <laughs> I mean, I'm waiting for the Austin Powers movie. type scene where they're like, Fred yeah. won't be joining yeah. us. Yeah. It, links,
3: it links into what we were saying about kind of like um, uh, online interactions. That is a safe place for people to express their, <laughs> their anger what I was thinking... with, with guns. Yeah. it no,
1: takes <laughs> well, you to think of them as NPCs, which is the no, term but the that thing was is, the, yeah. that's the horrible thing. So like you're watching this and of course you're like, oh yeah, but they need to do that because they've got to save the world. And then you start thinking like, but that's it. People who have been red-pilled often then, you know, start yeah. thinking like, oh yeah, but I just need to kill all these people to yeah, do this. Yeah. Like, something that happened, whatever, eight months after this film where a bunch of people nicked planes and thought, oh yeah, yeah, yeah but we're saving the world. We're yeah. going to, mm-hmm. you know, do this thing. I mean, mm-hmm. like
0: the, the manifesto, the fact that every... Every horrible incident like that, or almost every horrible incident like that, comes with a manifesto, which is yeah. I am trying to wake you up to the yes. reality of how the yes. world is. Whether it's that that brutal yeah. murder and sort of spree in Norway, which is like this is the way to teach yeah. you about the dangers of multiculturalism or globalization or or things like shooting sprees in in like universities in you know in America, I think where
1: that it's scene you know, is incredibly directed as is, taps into that, like, anger and that frustration and that, like, just wanting to see you know, people do just take out guns and then start shooting everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: He's very clear. Uh Morpheus, Morpheus, yeah. He says people in the system are enemies. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. not victims. Yeah. They and are, I think... They they're probably
4: are the letting themselves a bit off the hook, too, by implying, like, these are all just computer programs, so if you blow them up, you're not actually killing anyone. Well, you know? well no, no, they are. They like are, the but they, can just, they yeah. can just be swapped. They can just be... Or the it. other implication
1: There's, is that if somebody... You know sees them and recognizes them that they will then become an agent because yeah. an agent can mm-hmm. just become anyone which yeah, is so a very clever idea to like paranoia, make you scared yeah. of everything yeah. and everyone mm-hmm. but also like and the wichiski's doing a lot where after you know neo or, or, or trinity kill one of the agents he the sort body. of reverts back to the original yeah. human body and yeah. you have the bullet yeah. hole in the guy
3: who got hit by a train yes yeah, yeah. wakes yeah. up at the last yeah. second what's
1: going on yeah no, there's a lot of like really horrible sort of stuff when you start thinking about that in, yeah. in the film. And it's interesting because they don't quite shy away from it. You know, I think particularly those security guards, it's slow-mo a bunch of guys holding coffee cups and ripping papers yeah. in half. It's not necessarily, mm-hmm. not necessarily. You know, I mean, could
3: have just put Agent Smith to sleep <laughs> on top of those cardboard boxes <laughs> and I walked mean, away I, I, you know i, I, I mean like killing that homeless well guy. again
0: this is the thing with action movies where you have that sequence where even like ignoring the like innocent kind of like counterpart like death toll or whatever or that shot of the poor security guard with his head blown open as he hits the ground and was probably thinking about his kids or whatever mm. but you have like the moment where they take the helicopter down to rescue morpheus and they have the Gatling gun on the helicopter mm. and Keanu Reeves just starts firing randomly <laughs> in, indiscriminately into the room yet like, like, I, I like I used to someone, wonder someone another, another
1: office doing. <laughs> you know like seeing that just
4: being like... I used to love the way like he sort of does it in a circle so it's like <laughs> yeah. he's shooting around Morpheus <laughs> yeah. so he hits everyone in the room <laughs> yeah. except what if Morpheus
3: just kind of like like his part of the room had been cut out yeah. and kind of fell <laughs> yeah. down then, like, into the into the floor beneath yeah. it yeah.
0: I mean the This is one of the things that I kind, again, not to talk too much about the sequels, one of the things that I admire about the sequels, and I don't think they do rather well, is that they play with this idea of that belief, that Mm. that righteous belief of the belief in the one, Morpheus's faith and the role that he's been cast in, that being a system of itself that is just as trapping, that is just as ensnaring as the idea of like, man, the man is really trying to keep me down. and. And that's, I mean it's interesting but that was one
1: of the reasons I've never not liking the sequels as much because of kind of what they did to Morpheus and he became mm-hmm. in a way a much more humane character yeah. and he showed him going through a lot of different things but also wasn't the character from the first one he became yeah. he was a lot less philosoph- philosophical, philosophical yeah. he was a lot um less serious and certain of himself and I didn't love that because I I, th- I loved him in the first one. I think yeah. he's so great in the first one, but that's an interesting point.
0: Yeah. I kind of I kind of like that aspect, and I think that that's a shame. One of the things about like, and again, that the sequels are not great; they're not good films. To say what Andrew said, I would say, um, <laughs> Damn, but, but I, I do think to, to kind of fill off the <laughs> thing Let me defend them for ten. Times <laughs> <away>. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I I think that one of the things that it's a shame to have lost in that like mess of like the Zion orgy the CGI oh, fest, God, yeah. the heavily wrought kind of
3: overly <laughs> philosophical dialogue is the kind no, of. Of that Zion orgy in the first movie, like a lot of the smaller <laughs> characters, I don't don't particularly want to spend any more time with them. <laughs> um, like the the yeah, they like there were great performances in this with like uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Hugo Weaving, uh, Carrie Anne Reeves Kiana Reeves. <laughs> Bouncy, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, the guy that, like, <laughs> do you want to buy any tank? Sticks? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it, yeah tank, and what was what was the Dozer? Other, what was his Dozer? Dozer? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I liked that. Morpheus is like, okay, we have to evade all these agents and sneak through the city. Like everyone picked their most ridiculous dominatrix outfit your s and rent I'm, the most ridiculous car we need to blend in yeah. just dark. Yeah. 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 it's also like you know Neo it's his first trip it's like you just get the black suit like you, you'll you eventually start working like, your, yeah, work your way up to leather but at the moment you're just having a black suit I
0: love the idea of like you know Cypher being the one who shows up in like a station wagon it's like he's said to be inconspicuous yeah. right? it's like no not nearly cool enough yeah.
1: Switch <laughs> is like wearing a white leather jacket and orange bono sunglasses yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Just in terms of this, actually, is it worth talking about how the film sort of reinvented... Do
3: you know, it does feel... Sorry. um, A lot of the movie feels like the characters in the movie are having, like, a... um, Serious, like troubling, psychotic episodes. <laughs> you are all like running around shooting yeah. people, thinking like
1: their... like a break from yeah. reality yeah. or yeah. something. Yeah. One yeah. <laughs> of the
3: things I mentioned, the splinter in the
1: mind. The shooting, I like. Well, it was. I thought it was interesting. Is that in this film, like there's so many guns? Like there's a scene where there's like guns, gun lots of guns, guns, yeah. and guns, around yeah. But in the next two, they kind of just like lessen the guns, and yeah. and they all just you know kung fu each other for the yeah. next two films, and they become a lot more sort of serene and a lot. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was interesting because there are so many. It is a. It's very. It's a
0: very gun film. Very like, film. Like I mean, there's <laughs> a, it fetishizes guns
1: <laughs> yeah. more than it does all the dominatrix stuff.
0: Yeah, well, about. I mean, like as you point out, the scene where Trinity's running on the roof has a gun yeah. advertisement yeah. in the yeah. background of it and things guns, like that. Guns, guns. and even the like well,
1: really the way the the agents use like you know the Israeli Desert Eagles as a yeah. large hand cannon looking gun and then Neo is using all these like little you know machine gunny things like there's so many there's so much there's like thought into every weapon the
0: slow motion shot of the gatling gun bullets dropping like rain yeah. from the helicopter of
4: the that. helicopter yeah. itself the like I mean this
0: is the thing where it looks cool it makes mass murder yeah. look really
3: cool is it yeah. worth everyone else's idea is like I will um, run up the wall or do a cartwheel or like uh, twist back <laughs> Backwards to get out of the way of the gun and Mouse's idea is like, I'm just going to get Star the, fix, the yeah. biggest guns I can hold and go, like I'm a tiny guy yeah. standing in the one spot and go, ah!
4: that's <laughs> always really funny nice you shot because he's like the size of a pencil yeah. <laughs> and then he picks up these two enormous guns and you're just like <laughs> he's not even aiming
1: at them he's like aiming them up so he but goes yeah. down <laughs> yeah <laughs>
3: because he's so small like the first thing that happens is the guns just go like they way knock to them the, off the size to
0: yeah, and yeah. somewhere that lodges in Cypher subconscious for when he comes back as Mr. Worldwide he oh, wants to yeah. come back to the anthropomorphic personification of that particular uh, pose in terms of action movies actually it's worth noting that um, the movie as we mentioned earlier draws a lot from Hong Kong cinema uh, it brought over uh, Yun Wu Ping uh, mm. who was one of the great vision who became one of the great visionaries of 2000 action movies he worked on Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon Kill Bill and Cradle to the Grave of all movies as well <laughs> um, but I mean it, it also kind of literalized Kung Fu and um, the Chad Stolesky has actually talked about how one of the ways that it changed action movies and action cinematography was that traditionally um, American action movies had been focused on the one punch. The idea was you had these big... And again, this is the Reagan era thing, but even if you look at people like Bruce Willis or whatever, the idea that you would have a fight and it would end with one quick decisive punch. Mm. Where martial arts movies were... Martial arts weren't really welcome in a-
3: Was part of that the having... Sports
0: and Eager and Stallone who and steroids
3: really fight
0: <laughs> possibly <laughs> as well. Yes, yeah, Stallone not being the most nimble. I'm trying to imagine Stallone in The Matrix. But again and again, there's this argument about how that fits culturally and historically in like America's self image. But one of, and like the argument that martial arts were seen as being something Eastern and would have arrived at the same time as Vietnam and so would have been associated with that and therefore would have been something American cinema would have been wary of embracing. I was thinking um, of that scene in Indiana Jones where the guy
1: takes out the sword and like dances yeah. around and waves it around and he just shoots something. Yeah.
0: that's American American cinema in a nutshell again Spielberg American cinema Um, but I mean one of the things the Matrix did was it introduced these sort of long take fight sequences the sort of like emphasis on stunt work on Kung Fu and stuff like that but also in terms of the body type of the people involved as well because Keanu Reeves was not at that time seen as being a kind of a big action draw or being an action hero of himself. I mean, he obviously worked out, he's done all the stunt work for it, he did the training for it, despite his broken neck. Uh, But he doesn't look like uh, Bruce Willis. He doesn't look like, uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone. Um, He's more wiry, he's skinny, he's kind of, you know, he's little and he's small. And yet, despite of that, he gets to be this sort of action hero, which I thought was, you know, quite impressive. Again, it's
3: not quite like Christian Bale. Of course, Christian Bale did... Equilibrium. Afterwards, which is another yeah.
0: movie that owes a lot to The Matrix as well, With for example. Gun yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, the argument is that, say, people like... Um they've talked about how Matt Damon for example as Jason Bourne would be one example hmm. Uma Thurman as the bride in Kill Bill even Liam Neeson as the reluctant dad in sort of Taken this idea of character here, reluctant dad yeah. sorry su- <laughs> reluctant here. super dad yeah. sorry apologies um, <laughs> tried to walk out of many times. Um but even things like James McAvoy in Wanted to pick an example Michael Cera in Scott Pilgrim vs the World Kate Beckinsale in Underworld Charlize Theron in Aeon Flux and Atomic Blonde this idea yeah. of like having action stars that weren't defined by muscles and, I mean obviously you can argue that superheroes have pushed us in the opposite direction now where like even Chris Pratt we didn't mention Mia but yeah she'd be a part of that movement as well but like you could argue that like superheroes have pushed us back in the opposite direction I think the grace on our Rush episode mentioned the tragedy of having Chris Hemsworth And, like, Chris Evans get all sort of ripped like that and then making them wear a costume over it. Mm -hmm. Um, Did I
4: mention that? I don't remember. You
0: might have mentioned (laughs) that, possibly. I don't recall that either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so you had this sort of... the idea is that yeah, it changed the kind of notion of of action movies, but it also changed the way in which action was shot and choreographed. A lot of Daniel Bruhl talk. Not enough. I remember a lot of
4: Daniel Bruhl talk. <laughs>
0: Not but yeah, so it kind of it, it changed the way in which you shot action. It also defined the superhero movie. There's a lot of the modern superhero movie in here, mm. I think as well. Um, things like the flying and the jumping and the leaping and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm the um.
4: defying physics in general mm. yes
0: and the, the use of cgi yeah. to do that as
1: well mm-hmm. to be honest and is... that's another interesting thing because I, I think that the cgi in this film it holds up because they're right at that moment of like working out how much cgi they can do versus how much they can do in real life and it's like that perfect time where it's just the right amount like yeah. i remember this is on one of the extra features to interview with a vampire neil jordan talks about like using CGI in like 1994 or whenever that film came out yeah. but he's like inherently sceptical of it so he's yeah. like oh my job was to try and like disguise that we were using CGI at a, a, yeah. across the board and I feel like The Matrix is kind of does that it's a lot of it's big shots like the, the helicopter explosion which has this like wave of glass around it yeah. it's incredible but then they also clearly also blew up the side of a building and that's like a real mm-hmm. thing that they have yeah. incorporated and it
0: gives you tangible sort of
1: like exactly. actual texture whereas in the next two films it, it goes the other like, way yeah. and then a lot of other like superhero films since then it's
0: it's you know it was the obligatory CGI driven third act and I mean this largely avoids that by like the that's big- Lawrence Fishburne mm-hmm. hanging upside down for a yeah. second under the helicopter—that yeah. looks amazing, you yeah. know. And even the climax of this is again—it's it's Keanu Reeves and you go Weaving mm-hmm. of all people, the guy from in Bill like and hallway. Ted, yeah, the guy mm-hmm. from Bill and Ted, and the guy from Priscilla Queen of the mm-hmm. Desert punching each other in a subway station. Yeah, that's like that's our big action climax. And and it's incredible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the <planet is> <laughs> yeah, Priscilla Queen of the Desert, <laughs> it's better. Yeah. But it's-
4: also, I think it's it probably kind of inverts what we've gotten used to in this day and age too because it starts out with all these massive... Big scale um, action scenes like the helicopter explosion and the um, gunfight in the lobby and everything else. And then it ends with the smaller scale, like just fisticuffs. Mm. Whereas, you know, we've kind of gotten used to it being the other way around, where there's a series of small skirmishes and then we eventually build to an entire city being destroyed. So I kind of like that this does it backwards. Like it starts out with this general, like, "Mm, what's going on sort of thing, and then makes it much more personal and concentrated. Would be even more personal. And it means you can see what's happening. Which is (laughs) the race.
3: Even more personal and like intimate than a fist fight is the kiss. <laughs> um, um, they, well, they, they, the entire they,
4: thing is exploding around them. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah mm. they, 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 and
3: it made me think, kind of like, oh yeah, it's 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 it it is a kind of a fairy tale story, mm. where it's kind of like a, a you know a Snow White. She wakes him up. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean,
0: this actually is a nice sort of dovetail into talking about Trinity again, because to bring us back around to that, because it's it's been pointed out that Neo. We're
3: going to talk about Trinity <laughs> We are going to talk about Trinity <laughs> I yeah. think we talk about. That.
0: But the thing is that Neo is arch days. <laughs> That's arguably, uh, been... He's arguably the most feminized um, action hero in, in recent memory or at least in the past 30 or 40 years. Neo, Neo is consciously the most feminized uh, sort of action hero. Okay. Uh, Violet Levout has uh, sort of pointed this out, so for example. But there's things like, for example, the the emphasis on penetration of him. So the cyber shrimp bug that goes in, the acupuncture that's done to reconstruct his muscles and things like that, the gagging hallucination with the molten mirror flowing down his throat followed by the, the pulling out of the circuitry afterwards that's keeping Alive and in sort of respiratory, the birthing from the uterus, the brain probe that's repeatedly stuck into the back of his neck and is pulled out with a schluck sound, for example. Uh, But even things like
4: it looks like his mind is being. But even things, even things like to be a
0: woman. Even (laughs) even even things like the way
3: way things like kind of ported into you. Um, they, 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 wh- listen what
4: to is- what you're saying Andrew.
3: <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> um, Violet Levois wrote this right okay um, <laughs> I believe she might have more of a sort of a context for being a woman than either of us right okay, okay. anyway um, so she continues that like lean uh, sorry Reeves is lean fit and handsome as he's ever been in his career is very much the object of his desire. Cypher is taunting him for having big, pretty eyes. The Oracle remarking upon meeting him, you're cuter than I thought. Uh, he's rescued well, from... My get- favorite line not is, too- you're cuter than I thought, not too smart. Though. <laughs> <laughs> After he like, clearly doesn't pick up Trinity's intro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's also rescued... And this is the thing, this gets back to, to talking about Trinity here. He's rescued from death by Trinity's declaration of love as she hovers over his inert body like the prince hovers over that of Sleeping Beauty. Mm. His virtual self, while his virtual self suffers through the final showdown in the heart of the city hotel. But this idea of inverting that gender dynamic by having a Trinity as, as the prince in this mm. over the Sleeping Beauty. The, the tender with his, you know, his very white skin as it's repeatedly pointed out. His very sort of delicate features. His very lean musculature. And sort of, like, having Trinity hover over him and kind of kiss him as the world sparks around him. And in doing so, bringing him back to
3: life. Hmm. Okay, and, and... No, re- I just can't... Because <laughs> thinking about that, kind of, like... He's very feminine. Because he like got... To, all these, like things being shoved down his throat. And, um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, 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 the, 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 uh, do you need to have a moment here? <laughs> yeah, do yeah, I... it's, no, it's just the way you kind of like push through all of that. No, sorry.
0: Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had to push through it because there was a lot to cover. I didn't right. want to stop after every point and sort of like get into the nitty gritty of it. <laughs> there,
3: no. Okay. All right. Okay. Go on. But yeah.
0: anyway... So back back to back to Trinity, and this is kind of one Trinity's arguably one of the more interesting legacies of the film. But I'm kind of and I'm kind of curious about Grace's take on this, actually, because you were talking about how Trinity is uh, kind of like this hugely important character, and this character who is vastly important. One of the mm-hmm. interesting things about Trinity is that she's kind of become internet shorthand to a certain extent. What they call Trinity Syndrome, uh, which is the role in which, and I think Tasha Robinson at the at the Dissolve coined this phrase. But the idea is that it's a female character who is much, 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 much more proficient than the male lead of the film, in which she is. Mm-hmm. the Lego movie is a prime example of that, for example, or wild movies are prime there, examples there are, of but, this. But I think the Lego movie was kind of one where people are like, wait, wait a minute, let's, let's actually talk this through. But like mm-hmm. Trinity, for example, it's notable that they're like, nobody has ever stood their ground against an agent. And you'll notice it's not actually Neo who is the first person to stand their ground against an agent. Neo gets shot at his... his foot gets no hit by stood their ground and survive and survived, yeah. yeah so Neo is like doing bullet time and his leg gets shot out and the agent looms over <laughs> he, him saying
4: that makes it sound like bullet time is something at the gym like yeah. it's leg day <laughs> yeah. then, um, then he gets shot he gets
0: yeah you know as you're doing your bullet time uh, well it, we are in swords um, it does tend to happen that you <laughs> may get shot outside a gym but yeah so he gets shot in the leg and he's sort of prone and again he's vulnerable in the way that Neo repeatedly is over the course of the film the agent looms over them as sort of shadow silhouette and and says only human at which point it's trinity Dutch but then yeah, points the gun at the agent's face and shoots him point blank in the head and it's great because like there's a scene earlier in the
1: film where Morpheus says everyone who went up against an agent has died and then you just see Trinity just take one out yeah. <laughs> <that> <laughs> just point. later oh I can do this yeah. yeah. i dead yeah. Yeah. what you've been
3: doing wrong is <laughs> you gotta get oh oh close yeah. like, really of, close you know, yeah. side point blank <laughs> man, yeah. shoot them in the it's tempo. a fantastic
1: shot and a fantastic line and like what I, the only thing I'd say about Trinity I think Carrie Ann Moss is, is a really great actress because she manages to convey like a sort of like it's almost like she's sort of nervous at times that she's going to fall in love with like this guy you know there's, yeah. like, there's a lot of like, like <laughs> this guy is the guy I'm going to fall in love with him yeah. and mm-hmm. she does that so well The like gradual and she's like you know following morpheus but also like when morpheus jumps out of the wall and sacrifices himself for neo it's trinity who like gets things together and is like come on and like yeah. pulls him down mm-hmm. and gets them out and
0: and as grace points out it's the one who's like i'm actually technically in command of this ship yeah here like so i'm the one who's in and that
1: conversation yeah. with um joe pantoliano on the phone where you know she's watching her friends die and and that scene where he's sort of like but surely if he's the one something would stop me go on you know yes or no yes or no and bit, the way she holds the camera yeah. and says yes it's just she's incredible and mm-hmm. really really good
0: but yeah, so um, yeah, so it is kind of it's an interesting thing about sort of Trinity as a, as a character, and I mean I think she works very well. I think the Carrie Anne Moss is is fantastic uh, in this. Uh, in terms of other stuff about the Matrix, oh Hugo Weaving, oh yeah,
1: um, love
4: Hugo Weaving, so
0: good. Yeah.
1: yeah, you know
4: what's funny as well is that that's in a, like I only became aware of Hugo Weaving really after Lord of the Rings, and then it's funny to watch this after Lord of the Rings and be like. Elrond's in this like wasting everyone and he's a horrible person for me
1: it was the other way I was watching Lord of the Rings being like whoa <laughs> <When> <laughs> a clear villain
0: has yeah. showed up Yeah,
1: gonna
4: um, pull, like pull out the gun and destroy everything it was, it was
0: Priscilla Queen of the Desert I was my one before mm. watching The Matrix and it was like this is not exactly what I expected <laughs> from uh... mm-hmm. but he's another one who like when the film starts the agents are kind of meant to look identical and
1: speak yeah. identical and it's funny because in the early ones, I'm in the early scenes. I'm actually watching them, being like, "Now is that Hugo Weaving, or is that one of the other guys, like Mister yeah. Brown or the other guy?" Mm-hmm. And then by the end, when crucially he takes out the earpiece and takes off his glasses, and he starts revealing he's actually maybe a different kind of villain to the yeah, standard he's... agent. He's actually like hateful and spiteful and. And that Hugo Weaving performance is so good in that, you know, Mm -hmm. when he, him, and Morpheus when they're that uh, interaction, the the virus and the
4: well, they they both have incredible amounts of presence, I think, and a Mm. lot of gravitas in the way that they deliver their lines. So that whole exchange between them just feels much more intense for that, because I think they both just inhabit their roles very well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I quite like the idea that Smith and I love that even Smith who is as you point out he's he's meant to be a generic bad guy Mm -hmm. and he kind of evolves into a character over the course of the film but I love that like, he actually gets motivation in terms of what he's doing and I love that it's nihilism Mm -hmm. Like he's the
4: one that the incels all want to be. (laughs) (laughs) You are all a virus and I'm going to destroy you.
0: But it's because it's very clear that like he literally just wants this to end. That's like his sole motivation as a character. It's funny
1: because he has this great line where he says, so I don't have to be here anymore. (laughs) I remember thinking is there a retirement home for Agent Smith? There's, there's probably not. You're probably just going to be wiped if there's no more need yeah. for you. Is, yeah. he, is he just
4: the one sitting there thinking like, I've spent years just fixing all of these bugs and patching everything up. When is this damn thing just yeah. going to be finished? Yeah,
0: Because <laughs> um, I think he's quite aware of the fact that like, there is no retirement home. No, like he just yeah. goes straight to the recycle bin. Yeah, yeah. 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 But his yeah. job will be done. <laughs> yeah. And the program's
1: yeah. And he'll be ready purposed. to be reborn. Yeah. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. So a new he's, version. Yeah. It's like, um, Please
3: Smith down your <laughs> Smith. Smith <laughs> yeah. 2.0. Well, that's
1: this what happens a funny in, tie. in the yeah. sequels. Yeah. He yeah. literally gets like upgraded sunglasses and a different tie and everything. <laughs> yeah. And then gets more and more on You're time. waiting
0: for the fourth Matrix film where he's got like this rainbow print tie on the on the same suit. I love that when he's fighting... Uh, Neo at the end he doesn't take off his jacket mm. he just adjusts the kind of lapels of yeah. it a little bit and he does the combat scene in the proper sort of it's full great. attire which yeah. is fantastic yeah.
4: was, he kind was, of just sort of cracks his neck like yeah,
0: yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> it's interesting as well how he's like within the agents, he's kind of broke. Mm. It's like they come into the room yeah. at some point, and when like, he's got the earpiece out, and, the eyes like, yeah, and he's
1: touching Morpheus's head, and like, what are you doing?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 uh. yeah. Or even the bit like at the helipad where they're like, just order the strike, and like, they mm. go inside, and he's like, they're not out yet, mm. and it's like, cause it's it's very clear that it's personal, and I like that the film is able to use Smith as like an avatar of the system, mm. while also giving him his own distinct personality. Yeah, yeah, because it's very clear that. Like, Smith is... Like, when he's introduced, he's not only compared to the other agents. He's also to the boss, the boss of the company at which Neo is working. Because the boss has this big spiel about, you know... You know, you have a problem with authority, Mr. Anderson. You believe you're special, that the rules don't apply to you. He literally says to him, the time has come to make a choice. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, that's the same choice that Smith offers him, like, two or three scenes later. Mm. Which is the choice between the responsible life of kind of conforming and fitting in... Or, you know, something different at all. And I kind of like that the film is able to use Smith both as a distinct character who has his own personality quirks and attitudes but also as a kind of a representation of this because the film you know to a certain extent is you know one of those metaphors for kind of late American capitalism it's this idea of like a disenfranchised generation at the end of the millennium that's kind of like well we're prosperous and we're rich and we've got everything that we've ever wanted and everything's pretty peachy but but." what if it's a dream (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah what if it's all a lie what if it's based on falsitude what if I'm not living my best life what if I you know could fly that that is one thing I would say about like all
1: the billionaires who believe we're in the matrix it's almost exclusively like idiot tech billionaires yeah. and not people with actual problems or day jobs and all the yeah. stuff you have to do it's the people who have achieved such a level of like well now what they're like maybe this is a dream <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> maybe there
1: maybe there isn't like, another one. like to does, get that that to that was... the
4: stage where like these height, uh, heady philosophical issues are the only thing that you're worried about <laughs> just screams a certain you, level of privilege yeah, exactly. yeah. that yeah. is confined to a very select few
3: Smith hmm. is it, like we we created a, a, a first version of the matrix where you were all tech billionaires <laughs> <laughs> But you, you uh, kept like, <laughs> uh, trying to break the matrix <laughs> and yeah. trying to break. I mean, we and we, so we swiftly props. found
4: that you were the most annoying creations ever put yeah. on this <laughs> one <laughs> screen in verdant earth. So we started over. Yeah,
0: we had to adjust the Elon Musk to Pitbull ratio. We're still trying to get it right. Yeah. It, um, I
4: love Smith's delivery, yes,
0: it's deadpan but droll, sort of like
1: Mister Anderson.
4: Yeah. It's, it's not and quite like,
1: an accent from anywhere either. Yeah. It's sort of a general, like almost computer voice he like almost sounds
4: helps. like he's softly singing to himself yeah he's yeah. just like you're a disease you're yeah. a cancer on this planet and we are the cure yeah,
3: yeah. Thomas <laughs> Anderson helps his landlady with the laundry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are these lies of the future yeah that's yeah. <laughs> so good yeah well,
0: it's, it's really really good and again uh, this fits in the broader context of like the 90s because you have this idea like Neo is repeatedly cho- told to choose and he's got to you know so that kind of evokes that sort of train spotting but even those sequences in the office early in the film they're you know we've talked a lot about films like Dark City we've talked a lot about films like The Truman Show and stuff like that but they evoke sort of other films from the same era like Being John Malkovich that bit where Neo's crouching like hiding and sort of like squeezing between the little office oh, cubicles yeah. reminds me a lot of the 13th and a Half Floor on, yeah, uh, in Being John Malkovich where everybody has to stoop in order to get to their cubicles but even things like office space which would have been released a couple of weeks beforehand as well where it's mm. this idea of a dead-end office mm. that is soul-destroying and kind of oppressive and bleak it's, it's fantastic because kind of- you don't
1: Sorry. you don't know anything about neo's life really yeah. other than he's maybe you know a hacker and does a bit of side dealing on that and then he works in an office and like yeah. even the, office the name is of the company is something like system mech or something yeah. it's like something so generic and the office is so bland and boring
0: it's it's done so well yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean even even things like and again this is one of those lovely attention to details the sequences where he wakes up repeatedly over the first act of the film. He wakes up, I think, four separate times mm-hmm. over the first act of the film. So he wakes up for the first time when his computer's beeping and it's like the Matrix has you, for example. He wakes up the next morning when he's late for work with his alarm going off. He wakes up after the bug's been put in him by Agent Smith. And then again he literally wakes up into the real world the fourth time as well. And I kind of like that there's this, and again, this is the kind of classical conventional structure of the film. It's a very Campbellian story where you have like, when he's doing the jump, you have things like cipher. For saying nobody does the jump nobody succeeds on their first time and you have neo (laughs) repeatedly kind of failing and declining and turning away uh, from these sort of instances so you have for example the sequence where he fails to do the jump Mm -hmm. or where he fails to save morpheus or the bit
1: where he goes to the the oracle and she tells him he's not the one and i remember even as a kid thinking like oh you know that's that's strange seeing it for the first time but that crucial bit where she also says, don't mind about the vase. And then he knocks over the vase. So maybe if she says, you're not the one, she He'll puts be him on the one. bath. The one. It's all just done so well about this, like, choice and not choice. And she says, you will be offered a choice to go save Morpheus, as you said yep. or not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. It's so efficient as well. Yeah. It's, it's sort of so, it, it
0: pings along. And it, it, it yeah, really well. it covers absolutely everything that it needs to cover in the time that it has. And it's, despite the fact that it has all these new ideas, and these ideas were big and bold and new and striking at the time, its structure, it is the Star Wars story. It's the Cambellian myth. It's the chosen one. It's the idea of Luke Skywalker. And again, you could argue that neo neo is basically like luke skywalker he's this kid who's plucked out of obscurity told that he has this sort of like prophetic role that he has to play in rebalancing the universe against an oppressive regime that regime you know isn't u.s foreign policy anymore it's just like capitalism because we're now in the 90s but you have this sort of fear you have this idea of the same myth being repurposed as kind of telling that this came out i think a couple of months before was a phantom menace phantom menace was another 1999 movie actually um and it's kind of interesting that you could argue the future of star wars is probably more reflected in the matrix than in phantom
3: menace it's interesting going back to something i think that we've sort of referenced a wee bit it's interesting that he's told kind of you're special and the rules don't apply to you he's also told like oh and like women are there for you to enjoy in, in, oh, in, in with, the met, with, uh, yeah. with Mouse, is yeah, yeah. yeah. the yeah. red, the red woman, the digital kind of Like, to deny your own impulses is to deny, is to deny what makes you the very thing that makes us human. Yeah. it's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's like you can you can spend some time with that blonde lady if you like, you know no, what I mean?
1: In, in fairness as well to that scene, though, like, everyone else in that room
0: is like, oh,
3: Mouse, yes, yeah, no, gross <laughs> little <laughs> creep. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> did we have to wake up
1: Mouse? <laughs> yeah. Was he the best candidate? Yeah, but is there a
3: sense in which and like Mouse brings his own porn? Yeah, that's, his own that's, that threw me as
1: well. Is- it's like when they're loading out the. Does he just like yeah. wink to Tank? And like, and my magazine. <laughs> yeah. So when I have to guard the guns when everyone else leaves. <laughs> yeah, because
0: it's but it's like but he he made that woman he programmed that woman so like
1: and even like wrote uh, the little message from the woman to, to himself. Him. Yeah. yeah.
3: He was all tired and couldn't like use those machine guns. But then again, they just left him there, (laughs) waiting for them to come
1: back. (laughs) But that is like, at least they are sort of like going there because that's like as technology develops you right. know unfortunately yeah, so many yeah. that times is future, something yeah. is developed because there is a way to get porn on it you well know? i mean
0: yeah, we talked about this DVDs. being a big movie for dvds right yeah the, the reason yeah. why dvd triumphed over like hd discs was because porn shows same reason that vhs triumphed over betamax is because yeah. porn shows vhs similarly like um you know the, the
1: the vr the the vr technology that's coming out more and more like the pornography industry is just immediately like, "Oh yeah, we're you know fully throwing money into that," and so you might as well acknowledge that with all this technology, even on a space yeah. ship oh, flying, yeah. there's always going to be some creepy weirdo who's like, "But can we use this <laughs> for, for porn?" porn. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I love the question of who cleans the holodeck after Rikers oh. used it on Star hey. Trek. Um, sorry um, somebody had to go there I mean
3: we can we could talk about French philosophers yeah, all we I want mean, and by they, the way that, that line welcome kind of to the desert of the real is have a quote a thing from that you know. something comes like, like that it, it, Andrew that wasn't little, a serious like, question it's a that out, out, out of it. It. you don't actually have to get near it or that anything was a, that was not I was
0: not asking for but no, I do appreciate that you put thought into like it it's like a little drone that goes in like a Roomba but it flies it's the worst job on the Enterprise it's worse than Chief O'Brien's job
3: little bits of his beard as well uh, <laughs>
0: thank you for that Andrew um, but yeah so in terms of in terms of other stuff um, about the Matrix um, <laughs> next spot, the next generation could I you. could I mention actually the soundtrack
1: because yes, after seeing actually, the film yeah. I immediately also bought the soundtrack Oh, incredible, yeah. Like, I was at um, a Metallica concert on Saturday, and they played Rob Zombie's Dracula, like, over the speakers. Really? And everyone was singing Over the speakers. Yeah, but everyone was singing (laughs) it. And everyone. No, no, no. Everyone, like, knew the lyrics, and I was thinking, where? That that song was on the Matrix soundtrack, which was an incredible soundtrack. And
4: Wake Up
0: yeah mm-hmm. well we were actually we were talking about this we had somebody else watched it with us before this and we were talking with them about it and he was, we were talking about how like so much of the movie has aged reasonably well in terms oh, of Chris. fashion yeah we're talking to it if you're going to
4: say the music hasn't aged well then I'm going to call mm-hmm. this person an idiot I think the music oh, oh, of the time no. it, it's oh oh, very oh, oh 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 oh, oh.
0: <laughs> um, okay <Never laughs> how you dare you yeah, yeah. how dare
4: you
3: this is why I don't mention names Andrew um but um
0: you're on blast. yeah um, no, Grace, That we were not saying that the music was bad, Good. to be clear, but we were saying that while a lot of the movie has aged relatively well, in fact, like you can imagine a lot of the suits and fashion, neither some of the leather fetish gear, you know, probably holds up relatively well to, you know, for mm-hmm. modern standards. Um, the soundtrack is is very 1999. The soundtrack mm. is very much of its moment. If Linkin Park's on there, for example, the Rob no. Dugan How Club. dare Link- you? Linkin Park is on the second one. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. It's, reloaded. it's not on the, the
1: first one. Okay, apologies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: thank, <laughs> thank you very much. But things like Rob Dugan's Club to Death, for example, and things like that. That is
4: a tune. I will not hear a word again. Rammstein,
0: Duhas, yeah, there's a lot of... And not, again, not a criticism, just...
3: That was called Spy
1: Break or something, isn't it? Yeah. I remember that one, that was great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but anyway, uh, but yeah, no, the, the music is very much of its time, uh, which is good, because it's nice to have that sort And it's of, like, funny, because as the sequels got more and more less fun
1: uh, by the end, <laughs> they, like the third one, they had no music in it. It, it was entirely score. They just like gradually edited out like the actual songs, the stuff. actual sort of like club music yeah, and dance music and stuff yeah. like that. And yeah, yeah. Well, another I reason want... why I don't like the the, the sequels—they kind of lost their fun. They lost their music.
3: It's funny actually that, that hey,
4: Deftones is on the soundtrack and everything. I'm looking it up here. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> um, wow, yeah. Marilyn what was, Manson what
3: as well. was number six. Yeah. <laughs> what is number six hey hey on the hey! Soundtrack? <laughs> I'm sorry, the Prodigy? I Prodigy? Just... <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh huh oh but nice one I thought I'd just cover the, the, the artist that would be of interest and provide a sense of context for the time but you're right I'll do the entire <gasps> yeah, top like, 10 next week when we cover that's for that. our Patreon <laughs> <laughs> yeah. behind the paywall yeah. no one can tell you where the paywall is you have to see it for yourself um,
4: who, who dethroned Britney Spears by the way segue um, from the number one spot Mariah Carey I want to say Jesus.
0: oh actually sorry you don't, you, Sorry, Please I thought you had the answer to fact hand do you want to go to the fact machine and check
4: Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, I could just Google this and the phone in my hand. <laughs> I thought you might have known. That is the fact
3: machine. Yeah. Tell people, but that is the You don't have a
4: purpose-built machine
3: <laughs> for these things? There isn't a random number generator well. either. Yeah. Actually, the we haven't used. Them us, like like doing. <laughs> do we need do we to bring that? back? One of our reviews said, like, and they also have this great thing, the oh. random number generator. Oh, <laughs> that's really cute. <laughs> You chose to get I rid of it. didn't get rid This is a twist. You put, on, put, on, put on things. I said, let's continue to do it, but not actually do it. So pretend that we're doing it. So say... So you mean lie. You were- like what we were doing all the time. <laughs> yeah. um, but but like, like we could... Uh, like whenever we had a movie coming up, we would do like the random number generator and say, and it lands on... Oh wow, the Matrix! Yeah. What are the odds? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're back from the fact machine. Um, it was Monica's Angel of Mine, which I can't even remember. I don't recall. It dethroned um, Baby One
3: More Time. And okay. yes, that is Monica's Angel of Mine that you listeners can hear <laughs> <laughs> in the, it's playing, playing, playing in the playing background. In the background. background. Yes. Um, it's, it's kind of I like the the idea that our Matrix
0: podcast will have a less cool soundtrack <laughs> than the Matrix itself. <laughs> Um, It'll start out with the number one and we <laughs> And will sort of play okay. its way through, like, randomly. But, I mean, I, to be to be fair, actually, like, The Matrix, I think, has aged relatively well. And I think I wonder if it, there's a sense of it sort of coming back into relevance in terms of things like we mentioned, for example, it, it the horrible reappropriation of it by, like, the red, the red pill movement and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There are apparently, like, varieties of pills. Um, oh, right. Of course there are. There's, like, the black pill. Um, and stuff like that There's the brown pill Which I'm not sure Anybody wants to know What that is uh, You have the green pill Which is for people Who don't Who won't reject The orthodoxy Of globalisation And stuff like that It's apparently got this Has old... somebody
4: actually Sat there yeah. and written Like a rainbow Of different pills There are yeah Well,
0: including include in the show notes There's a rainbow Of like pills And they're all With Really depressing <laughs> <laughs> do they?
2: Do they have
4: like You know <laughs> Do they have pill boxes where it's like monday tuesday Wednesday. it's like today i reject
0: this. today i'm on the black pill but i I do think that the film has aged kind of back into relevance because i think that like after the matrix you had obviously you uh, alex alluded to this earlier like in 2001 you had september the 11th and september the 11th led to the war on terror and that was this huge big part of the cultural zeitgeist you look at movies after 9-11 and they're all very much informed by it, the blockbusters you look at things mm-hmm. like say even X-Men 2 which was released I think in 2002 has like the military industrial complex it has Stryker, who's got this military base where he's gonna like kill kids using like psychic powers or something but even things like say Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins which so takes ba-
3: potentials <laughs> yeah,
0: but he takes like Batman he takes sort of Batman and kind of contextualizes him so as what? part of this movement um, but even, <laughs> even things like Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds And what's interesting is you could argue that we kind of come back around to a state where we're having the same sort of debates that we were in 1999 about things like this sort of broader sense of cultural malaise, because we've kind of lost, we moved past the idea of the war on terror as a defining conflict of our generation. We're kind of more embracing these kind of abstract questions that The Matrix asks, like about like, and again, there's this, this
3: challenging the orthodoxy. Yeah. Like, I I would say that it's a good thing for young people, I would say, to kind of Challenge orthodoxies. It's yeah. just kind of what sort of orthodoxies do they want? To Are challenge? you challenging? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, it come and also from
4: find the... healthy ways of doing it that don't involve like you know maybe mowing down people around yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no. not ideal.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm against that. Peaceful, <laughs> peaceful, civil Quinn. disobedience
4: <laughs> is totally fine. Though. I mean.
1: But personally, maybe it's because of what I do for a living, but like I mentioned earlier about the the, like they literally put a bug in him to track him. But one of the things I thought interesting watching at this time was this idea that we're all kind of being monitored and that we're all just sort of powering a greater, more malevolent, you know, something, a corporation or Mm -hmm. body or something like that. And I think that's kind of maybe why this deserves a bit, you know, another look nowadays, because we're all carrying around computers in our pockets that track where we are and everything what we moment. do okay. and, and all our data is and being fed into a and... corporation yeah. that is making money off it
0: so yeah. the matrix is you know it's suddenly and, more relevant again I yeah. think, and, yeah. and yeah. we're perpetuating systems over that. and again we, we're you know we sort of recovered from the global crash to a certain extent but that we've become batteries
1: That's yeah it? exactly, exactly. Yeah. our <laughs> personal data is yeah. powering decisions by robots and machines all yeah. the time yeah. right now and yeah and mean yeah.
4: literally everything like right from the stuff that we watch to the the way that we work to yeah. Yeah. everything else yeah
0: and again like it's it's worth noting that you're seeing themes like this come back and back to the force So stuff like westworld on television is very much i remember watching the premiere of westworld and being like we're doing the matrix again mm. that's what that's what we're doing now but like this kind of perennial question again you have these huge philosophical dumps from people like when for example trinity uh meets neo and it's like I know why you're here, Neo. I know what you've been doing. I know why you hardly sleep, why you live alone, and why night after night you sit at your computer.
3: Because
0: you're cool. (laughs) That's what that is. The answer is out there, Neo. It's looking for you. It'll find you if you want to. And you have this whole big speech about how the world doesn't make sense, and there's a way of making it make sense to you, which is a very universal, very human sort of, like, sentiment. Mm. But it's also, like...
3: like you need a girlfriend
0: <laughs>
3: it's also a little like
1: justifying you know someone who maybe has gone a little crazy like don't yeah. worry you're not the crazy one everyone <laughs> else the is. world <laughs> is crazy let me tell you about
0: the world but no i, I think that there is something very you uni- and maybe it is very teenage boy maybe and again this is the thing about the list where the 250s it's telling that like the 250s 1999 you know sort of films don't include you know the ten things election, I hate. Yeah. yeah, ten things I hate yeah. about oh you. Oh my god, ten things I hate about
4: you. Ten exactly things I
0: hate really about you right. opened election on the same day. Yeah, yeah, is it on election? The day? No. Election was, but dropped off. All oh, right, uh, but ten things I hate about you opened Clueless. on the same day. Clueless was never on, I'm afraid. No, um, yeah, never. which is shocking. But this is just a mean sign guys. of
4: the fundamental mean. flaws yeah. in that list.
0: But yeah, and and you have this sort no, of no, no, no. yeah. Um, Whereas you have like the two fifties idea of '99 is like this and Fight Club. And the Green Mile, um, but like the Sixth Sense, and you What's have this. Funny
1: is like as well. We might talk about it more on on the Fight Club episode. But I mean, this is a film that has been made by two trans women. Yeah. Fight Club is based on a book written by a liberal gay man, and you know, deciding to sort of find certain elements of these and then focus on that and make that. It's it is a, a strange thing to sort of immediately decide. Oh no no, this is exactly what I my interpretation of this is the only one that matters yeah. and I'm going to go so hard into it that I'm going to write a book about, you know, what type of pill that, that yeah. these people are taking me. that kind of thing. It's what very the, strange. Is now available <laughs> in, the <world. laughs> in the foyer. But like
0: the, um, but the, yeah, the death of the author taken to a logical extreme. I mean, this is one of the things that's been argued, like every once in a while Warners will float a trial balloon. The idea of rebooting the Matrix or remaking the Matrix. And Good luck with that. One of the arguments that's been made about it or one of the things that makes people particularly uncomfortable about it is that remaking the matrix would run the risk of taking away that sense of authorship from the wachowskis which Mm. obviously is a large part of kind of context for it Mm -hmm. and what you would just end up with is running a large risk of it just being red pill the movie
3: or whatever yeah which is kind of you know because because the the world
4: is not red pill Mm -hmm. the movie like
3: yeah you need to have a really cool phone Remember when the, yeah, the people had that flip phone. Or oh, you press yeah. the button and it goes yeah, tick tick outside. Tick yeah. yeah. So cool. I remind Miss Flip Phones. And mm. it's 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 crazy that those sunglasses that Morpheus had uh, weren't no, taken until the movie became made became like uh, big. They had to really. actually design them for the movie specifically. And I like, remember, the actually, you part don't part see loads yeah. of people wearing those though. No. Like, except, yeah. except
4: what for the mean? guy who cosplays Morpheus at Comic Con every year.
0: I think I think you need to have particular type of like I don't think I could pull off Morpheus sunglasses. I think
1: you do need like an ankle length crocodile skin leather coat and a green tie like <laughs> so you're, you're not really, wearing you just those yeah, yeah. yeah you need
3: a but. nose that has a notch on it, so <laughs> <just> putting
0: <laughs> it there's a great shot it. where he puts it on and they sort of like they snap they just stay like, there, like yeah. kind of I remember being
1: it. impressed though that there's like so many mirrors in this film for yeah. like technically and all their cameras are constantly yeah. moving in front of them and they're doing little tricks to disguise things well, yeah the reflective sunglasses, sunglasses are, are incredibly camera, used yeah. but yeah you never see the camera
0: that wonderful artful shot where he's got the red pill and the blue pill and the reflective in the mm. glass as well i mean again this is one of the things that that's been argued to kind of the, the dysmorphia reading of the film is this idea of like when neo's waking up when he's attacked by he's literally attacked by a mirror yeah he, when he, he looks at a, his reflection and it changes it, yeah he looks at the, the mm. reflection and it's yeah. kind of fractured and it's broken and it doesn't reflect who he is and then the mirror tries to swallow him as well which is again mm. not exactly sort of subtle in terms of, of those themes and ideas which is kind of uh interesting and i mean it's been argued that like the the splinter in your mind is is a term that has a lot of relevance for for people who've suffered from like gender dysmorphia at least according to the the, the interviews that i've read and stuff like that the articles mm. that i've read mm. the kind of lines that have, have resonated beyond
3: that as well speaking of um special effects what, what year was lawnmower man too? Is it around the same time as, as this? It was a bit earlier, wasn't
0: it? Uh, I think it was like 1998, to be clear. They probably on. watched non um, Mower Man 2 and were like, the time is now. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> Before 1996. The world is ready. 1996,
0: <laughs> okay, I mean, you, you say
3: that, though. I, some very bad yeah. But you
0: say, well, also there was like, yeah. Um, anyway, so there's a difference in budget, i And also far, like yeah. a bit of a difference in like the talent of the people directing and yeah. making the film, I think, if we're being entirely honest. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed already with regards to The Matrix? Anything that sort of jumps out at people?
4: Yes, I would like to point out for my fellow Home and Away viewers that that is in fact Leah from Home and Away at the start with the white rabbit tattoo. Oh, cool. There's oh. a fun fact that will be of no interest to anyone I except think, me. Yes, I think
3: I recognize her from Home and Away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, she's been in it since the dawn of time. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that was one was thing that her when her I... Thinking,
3: where do I know her
4: from? Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that when I watched it again for the first time in years, I was like, has that always been Leah from mm-hmm. Home and Away?
0: Um, it is worth noting, actually, in terms of that <laughs> sequence as well, that very much establishes this idea of, of Neo as a saviour. Like, he's literally introduced uh, as my lord and saviour, my own personal Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but even things like, for example... What is that, by the way? What?
3: That Like, that introdu- him a mini-disc. Yeah. A floppy disk. That's yeah. yeah. over, like, $2,000. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, if well, if 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 we're listening to what you and Alex are saying yeah, about like Alex technology the, development, like it's probably to go porn.
3: To club. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't with know. With floppy
0: disk, yeah. yeah. Well, keep on, the guy was two hours late, so it probably wasn't very urgent.
3: Well, he, he was like all about. You better it. have my oh. homework done,
0: Anderson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anderson. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hello. Was talking about drugs and stuff, and it's like here is that like two thousand dollars, and it's like thanks for this this floppy disk. <laughs>
0: what yeah, is it? I mean do we what think is, that Thomas Anderson can... was a very moral person I think it was I,
3: I presume like erasing or eradicating
0: his digital footprint so he can continue to sell drugs possibly yeah I or mean like because right. like you can Thomas, do
4: that on a floppy yeah
0: Thomas Anderson is the kind of guy who goes into a lobby and brutally massacres people who are just there on their day job I don't what think
4: he <laughs> only <laughs> had two days to retirement yeah, yeah <laughs>
0: that poor guy I, I want the movie about that guy he who he just goes so that so many
4: guy times with the newspaper that
3: he couldn't have an open basket
0: just this is, a, this is a
4: whole lobby of <laughs> yeah. closed casket funerals yeah. right here. Um, I,
0: but I do, I, it is worth noting, again, the film has this very kind of Gnostic kind of uh, approach. So, for example, um, the name Thomas, which obviously is one of the apostles as well. But the Gospel of St. Thomas, uh, which was very... You're Thomas the Doubtist. Thomas the Doubter as well and he doubts Morpheus and he doubts himself primarily as well but the Gospel of St. Thomas had a bit of a pop culture moment in inverted commas in 1999 as uh,
4: Gospels do as Gospels do have their pop culture the moments they kind of circle
0: through you know the 15 minutes of fame Stigmata do we remember the film yes, Stigmata? yes do
4: oh, yeah. I love Stigmata yeah. the
0: wider side of the news
3: an apocryphal Gospel
4: Gabriel Burns <laughs> in it
0: it's great uh, it's fantastic but the, again, that's the gospel of St. Thomas Aquinas. But of course, the of But again, Gnosticism... Not St.
4: Not, not
0: Thomas Aquinas. There, no, yeah, sorry, St. Thomas. Yeah. Aquinas. No, uh, no, Thomas,
4: not, Aquinas
0: yeah, the, Thomas Aquinas is the philosopher. Aquinas, yeah, the, yeah. Thomas Aquinas is the
3: philosopher. Yeah, from the... The Apostle Thomas. Yeah, the Apostle Thomas. <laughs> and it's worth
0: noting as well that the Apostle Thomas, according to the gospel of St. Thomas, was apparently Jesus' twin, uh, which means that if Neo is both Jesus and Thomas... He is two sides of the other and they're both integrated in a way that is incredibly pretentious and very reachy but I quite like that sort of connection mm-hmm. there yeah mm-hmm. this feel- is
4: why Keanu was saying it's quantum man <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fundamentally yeah. like we, we exist in two places at once we can be two beings at once
3: um, I feel like if you're a talk you you could probably say that about another movie and I'd be like darren come on what a, what a, what are what what we but yeah maybe with, with a kind of a Wachowski movie because they're very kind of nerdy. It feels yeah. so, like that sort of that interpretation might fit. makes
0: a sense it makes a great deal of sense. It sort of fits with what they're doing as well. Because you do have this whole and again this this use of stuff like Zion, for example, it's the like imagery, the, the iconography as well. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Find online.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of, um
3: um say oh have you seen this thing (laughs) yeah um have have you googled (laughs) floridation um and i kind
0: of i kind of love that the the wachowskis are both that sort of level of like high red philosophy sort of like you know abstract concepts like gnostic literature sort of like existential end of the century thoughts but also really cool hong kong action movies and baseball and it's the
1: balance in this film you have Mm -hmm. all this philosophy and then it's like okay now we're going to have them just Have kung fu fight for fifteen minutes, and it works so well because of that. It's it's such a delicate balance, but they absolutely nail it.
4: Mm -hmm. And this is why Keanu is so perfect to be in it too, because you get like a very high, highly regarded like action star who's also an incredible intellect who just fits somewhere into the middle of all this.
0: He uses Reeves phenomenally well. And again, like, again, you know, I think that maybe people have been a bit harsh on Reeves as an actor, but people in terms of...
4: extremely harsh on let's be his, real.
0: His range, he has, like, particular notes that he hits very, very well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and The Matrix... And again, this is that—that that sounds like it's dismissive of his talent. Knowing those and being able to deploy those in a way that fits the the movie and elevates mm-hmm. the movie. Like watch him in the scenes with Fishburne. We talked about how fantastic Fishburne is because Fishburne mm. is an exposition machine for yeah. like the first kind of Do forty you minutes of this
3: out in uh, Pee Wee Herman's. Uh, yeah, out. he played the cowboy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was um, watching that and I was like, <laughs> it was mind, like mind blown. He,
1: was, he lied about his age to get into Apocalypse Now. Yes. He then, was 14 years old. Yeah. Okay. And, and then um, then was working in, in Pee Wee Herman and he also did Boys in the Hood. He's had an incredible career. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. And he's phenomenal. He's
3: quite mature really... in Boys in the Hood. Mm.
0: Yeah. And always kind of great to see him. But like watch those scenes with himself and with Reeves and like obviously Fishburne's the one delivering the monologue and he's got to get through like 10 pages of script and he yeah. does this remarkably well but watch how Reeves reacts to him as well mm. like the, the, even the reflection of the sunglasses where he kind of seeds the ground you have this sense of awe and curiosity and horror and this ability to convey this sense I mean like and, and the movie's well aware of what it's doing it even gives him a whoa yeah. at one point when when Morpheus jumps from one building to the other like it's very keenly aware of there's the fact there's so that many lines
1: talking. that could be cringy as well that yeah. Keanu just nails like I, I know Kung Fu is such mm-hmm. a it could be so silly if someone like mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage delivered him for instance but like he, he, you know, <laughs> I know <yeah>. Kung Fu Danny <laughs> Reeves just sort of says it in a very like contemplative fact like yeah, this like, is, this did is you what know, I know did now. you know this is a thing yeah. that yeah. I, I can
4: pick up <laughs> Kung Fu just like that
1: he's so endearing or something but then also will shoot it's everyone up of, and yeah,
3: yeah. that's a sort of
0: dreamy yeah. Uh, quality, yeah sort of mm-hmm. almost blank slate onto which you can kind of project again, yeah. again very similar to, to Hamill in the Star Wars films but I mm. think Reeves is a much better actor I think Reeves has a much better control of his range than Hamill did at the time I think Hamill's come on a great deal of a voice actor we- I think that Reeves is has a much better understanding of how well he can be used at certain points mm. because it's <laughs> worth noting that he tried doing this with like Johnny Mnemonic uh, a couple of years beforehand 1996 oh, yeah. and that was uh, <laughs> yeah. that was a film Yeah, that was a that was a film. That was now, to be clear. This is not, not, so good not a <laughs> good movie. a movie at all. But it's this interesting. is interesting. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even get that far. No. Um, I think
4: that the one movie Keanu is downright. By- painful in is dracula i was gonna say yeah. like, that's, that's the, the only find of adorable no. like I even can't... even younger me at the height of her keanu obsession was like i cannot watch him in this film <laughs> i, I, I yeah. can forgive him literally anything but dracula knew what to do about uh, it's the accent nothing. like but if it, he were doing his own yeah. accent it might you might get away with some of it but like when he's trying to filter it through a really bad english accent but, <laughs> it but apparently
0: work. it was um it was coppola coppola's coppola has copped this so to speak but coppola came out and said yeah i feel kind of bad that Reeves got the notices that he did because my notes to him on set were always more mm. <laughs> like my notes were like that's not british enough keep going keanu keep going why
4: didn't you cast a brit then <laughs> yeah. if like, you wanted british
0: um, gary oldman's right beside you
4: just ask yeah. him yeah. <laughs> put him on Imagine his- imagine like a reversal of roles there where keanu plays dracula that would
1: work. Like, he could be good. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Could
4: you buy Keanu Reeves as that sort of sexual...
0: Yes. okay. Did you see Always
1: Be My Maybe? Like, he was kind of,
4: like,
0: that. Or, uh, okay, well, that's good. I was thinking Neon Demon was actually the first place I watched. Oh, went. yeah.
1: I, I oh. walked out of that film before Keanu showed up, unfortunately. Not a fan, I know.
4: I love Neon Demon. I'm like the only person over here in my little flag.
0: Um, Yes, Andrew would probably greatly appreciate Neon Demon because it also features Keanu Reeves and objects being placed in mouths. (laughs) Sorry, that sounds seedier than I meant it
3: to.
4: Hey, everyone has their own tastes. Whatever Andrew likes to get up to in his own time.
3: It struck me the, the conversation with, like, Smith speaking to Morpheus. That Morpheus is all kind of, like, fed up. Yeah. And, uh, his really eyes are rolling back in his head. Yeah, yeah and Smith is saying, um, he, he's explaining how he was trying to kind of... Uh, Contextualize uh, human humans. beings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're not really mammals because mammals will kind of like develop to a certain equilibrium and then they will develop an equilibrium like they'll they'll fill a whole boat full of rats and then they'll start all eating each other (laughs) and stuff and then it's just like you're more like a virus and it's like viruses don't produce milk Uh, part of, part of you me right the first time <laughs> <laughs> you're overthinking it yeah you, know? yeah, you need to cut down your manners, CPO manners, process manners. yeah it's, uh, it's CPU process you're on the discovery channel <laughs> but <laughs> ironically
1: because <laughs> in the next films like Smith becomes the virus and yeah. it's like yeah just full on computer virus
0: part of me loved that scene because you can tell that Smith has been thinking about this for a long time but he's yeah. never he's a
3: self-hating virus mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, yeah
0: he's never Smith has never had somebody he can share this with because he presumably doesn't go to coffee with the other yeah. agents they don't really hang out they probably don't you know so it's socialise outside their job which they do 24 hours a day 7 days a week yeah. so you can tell Cypher that- just wants to talk about betrayal yeah. and eat steak <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: got no one yeah. why do they
3: drive places? Yeah, uh, I suppose it's good to like put people in cars I yeah. was also thinking
1: like you know when they become for instance an agent becomes the uh, an, a, a lady in the market like doing shopping with yeah. her kid and I remember thinking like so what when that agent's killed 2 years from now in like a gun battle on a roof and they find this old lady like with <laughs> guns in her hands Everyone just sort of goes, oh, I, I guess oh, that that's where she, she went. She went. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody has their
3: own life in this world. <laughs> the agents are the FBI yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Because that's the so shop, Don't Juris
0: my diction government crap. Government yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the way they're presented is shorthand. <laughs> oh this guy hates his job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it
2: does not care. Yeah. Yeah. But I, mean, I love. I also. Right? I also
0: that's that's why love he wants it. to destroy everything? I love that Smith shows up and he's like, I the orders were for your own protection and it's like really smith yeah. i'm not sure i buy that sort of like you know i get the sense the real reason was just don't get in my way yeah. i'd rather not have to deal with this but right it now. sets
1: up that great line where he's like no your men, men are, are already, already dead they um, so, okay.
3: ordered you not to go in a distant <laughs> member of the saudi royal family <laughs> 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 is that not care enough? Um, yeah. But I, I love the
0: idea that, yeah, Smith has been like working on this humans vi- humans equal virus sort of hypothesis for years now. Yeah. Never had never a chance had to... A challenge. Yeah, never had a chance to share it. Mm. Mm. And it's like Morpheus is lying there. His eyes are yeah. rolling back Comatose. in his skull. He's not appreciating us <laughs>
4: yeah. <this> at all. <laughs> it's like, are
3: you even listening to me? Yeah. This
4: is meant to be a conversation. Yeah. It's all the, give, The, give, the like... only flaw in, in um, Agent Smith's logic there is that a virus cannot... Like a virus is not going to destroy... Its host entirely Because then it will just die Which is something that humans Are actually doing quite well mm. <laughs> Don't viruses kill things? They do kill things But not to the extent That they wipe themselves out Otherwise they wouldn't be A very effective virus Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, I I mean,
0: like the, 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 well all they have to do is just last long enough to get somewhere yeah they, else. they have
4: to sort of incubate for a wee while and yeah. let things fix themselves and then come back whereas humans are like let's just destroy them well planet. we've been incubating for we'll millennia design. Elon
1: Musk is going to get us to Mars yeah we all want to live on
4: Mars Elon Musk <laughs> specifically
0: yeah. Um, but yeah alright so is there anything else you want to talk about anything we haven't discussed already with the Matrix anything that we missed one thing that I I remember
1: when I was watching it early on you know because I watched this film so much I started actually thinking about what they were going to do with the sequels and one thing that blew my mind before the sequels came out was this idea that they were going to be revealed that the the real world was actually a A further matrix and it was like and that this would happen every now and again where somebody would (laughs) be declared a one and it was actually not because one level up exactly kind of the inception level and that like blew my mind and I remember telling everyone in the schoolyard like yeah I think that that would be really good and then watching the first sequel which nearly set that up because yeah. he has powers at the end and I was telling everyone like I got it right guys I guessed it and then the third one completely what knocked. even was yeah. that yeah. I mean t- t-
0: to be fair that again metaphorically it works as well because the idea is that like Zion is part of the system even though it's outside the system which yeah. I quite liked because again this is the thing where it's incredibly bleak and cynical and so Darren is entirely on board with it uh, but it's like yeah even like, if this is a metaphor for capitalism with the boss and the job and the work and the system that treats human beings as batteries and as sources of energy and power to continue going or whatever. But if that's the case, and again, we talked about this a little bit when we did uh, V for Vendetta, is that one of the inverted commas, great things, close inverted commas, about capitalism is the sense in which it cleverly, like, incorporates criticism of itself. Yeah. It incorporates, like, disenfranchisement and it incorporates yeah. resistance into you itself, buy a
3: t-shirt with that. That's it, exactly. Yeah. 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 Kylie like Jenner buy-
0: handing the Pepsi can to the police. <laughs> <cop> <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: Thing and mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, it's it's right. the
0: V for Vendetta masks, which are always they're A huge bump in the Time Warner like bottom line at the end. So when yeah. you're when Anonymous are buying those masks in bulk to protest, they're actually helping the sort the of like, bu- bumping yeah. up the system yeah. as well. And I kind of like that the later Matrix movies kind of get at that with Zion, with the idea that this little human kind of enclave is actually part of the system it's always been intended to be part of the system yeah and even this idea of belief this fanaticism that morpheus has is part is like is just as much a kind of illusory cage mm. as mm. the matrix itself it's just not like tangible in the way that the matrix is because morpheus is a religious fundamentalist to a mm. certain extent mm. and i wonder again how much of that is down to the fact that the sequels kind of came out after 2001 yeah and you had to do a certain extent it's like yeah i feel like Yeah, as you point out, I feel like there, you know, there are people, the people involved in September 11th probably felt a bit like Morpheus does to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. Um, which yes, yeah, so I wonder if that's maybe why the the they toned the that down, again. made him a bit more human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: maybe yeah.
0: Um, but Grace, would you recommend something for this news?
4: Um, I think I said Kim's Convenience last time I was on here, didn't I? So might have. I watched actually when I was at the Korean Film Festival last night. I watched a film called The Thieves, which I had never heard of before, and which was a world of fun. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's a heist movie where a bunch of Korean and Chinese thieves team up to rob a casino in Macau um all hell breaks loose as it often does it's just very fun entertaining there's hanging out of windows and shooting people along the sides of apartment blocks if you like the matrix you'll probably like bits of this also hilariously there's a character in it called andrew who is not unlike andrew which i found very amusing oh
0: no <laughs> <laughs> now you have
4: to Don't see it. <laughs> how, how close to the truth it
0: is yeah,
4: um, So, so there's my little recommendation
1: um, I would recommend, again, for fans of The Matrix, uh, it's a documentary called Emperor's Naked Army Marches On. Have you guys heard of it or have oh. seen this? Uh, Errol Morris recommends it, Michael Moore. Oh. It's really, it's bizarre. It follows a former World War II soldier um, as he sort of like, essentially during the war in Japan, he worked out, he was a soldier and worked out that they all thought the emperor was God. And then when they lost the war, You know, there's this huge reassessment of their whole society and culture and everything. And then after the war, things kind of quieted down. But this documentary follows this guy who's almost like running, going around Tokyo, telling people like, wake up. The emperor is not God. So what he starts doing is like publishing pornography with the emperor's face on it. He like decks out his car with like um, loudspeakers and uh, essentially just goes around getting himself arrested. The documentary then follows him as he confronts former members of his own military group who essentially did something beyond horrible and i I won't mention it because it when it's revealed it's sort of like so shocking what he's he's sort of chasing but it's an incredible film and it's literally about him sort of going around and trying to tear down society and get people to wake up it's incredible so would highly recommend emperor's naked army Marches on (laughs)
3: fantastic and andrew uh i'd recommend um uh, plato's republic it's, oh. it's a long one because it's like ten, it's ten <laughs> but books it's it's, like... but it's really one book they, I think the only reason it's it's called ten books is because the scrolls that they have <laughs> were the <laughs> of them. Well, of the year well no, no they, 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 I, I've, I've, I've finally in one definitive edition they, one like, master scroll that they couldn't have like a scroll that would have all of the Plato's Republic in it so that they would make the books I think it's similar <sighs> with, it's with such the such a cash in you want to talk about capitalism in action <laughs> with the, bible, <laughs> like, with the yeah. bible as well they mm-hmm. have it broken up into, into Books rather the, than making it uh, uh, one, one gigantic thing, one because gigantic I mean, why why do that when you can well, just sell it in stone? Not gigantic standards. by our um, yeah, yeah. serialize it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to put it in the, in the in in the newspaper, which is presumably written on stone like the <laughs> flintstone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and and um, it like uh, if uh, another thing um, which which is maybe less of an investment is uh, Max Payne. I'm not sure if it's Max Payne or Max Payne 2. but uh, The one that has bullet Not time. the movie. Uh, not the Mark Wahlberg movie. No, they both movie. have bullet time. Yeah. All
1: the Max Paynes have bullet times. But yeah. Max Payne 2 is, is is
3: great. I think Max Payne 2 is the one you want to get. Mm. And you'll probably find that on Steam or something like I that. I kind of mm-hmm. like
0: that your recommendations go like the full gamut of the Matrix experience.
3: It's like <laughs>
0: if you read Plato while playing Max Payne 2, it's like well, watching like the Matrix. The
1: video game I would recommend <laughs> if you want to like go deep into the Matrix, it's a VR game called Super Hot. And it's incredible. So, super hot works where you're in, say, an office or on top of a building with a helicopter. So, very matrixy inspired. Yeah. And when you move, Time moves. So someone will be trying to kill you. All these men will be coming and shooting guns at you. So if you stay perfectly still, nothing comes. But if you start moving, the bullets come out of their guns and like slowly Whoa. come towards you. Is this
4: what it's like to live life as the flash? Yeah, it's in- <laughs> it's
1: incredible. It's one of these games. Um, I was playing it recently with my partner, and she was saying afterwards, like going to brush your teeth, like she starts, you know, you move slowly. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to like well, really like anyways, plug yourself into the matrix, yeah. check out Super Hot on the VR. Yeah. And
0: uh, I would recommend. And all the other Wachowski movies, but in particular, uh, Cloud Atlas. Um, I'm a huge I'm fan. Just of Just waiting Cloud on this. Uh, <laughs> I know it's 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 it, Darren that is,
4: for Cloud Atlas.
0: That is the sound of inevitability, in Mrs. Duffy. <laughs> it's um, the well, I wasn't going there, but that <laughs> um, But yes, um, I would wholeheartedly recommend it. We're, we're reaching the end of like the the first, you know, the second decade of the 21st century, and people are like putting together their top 10 like films of
3: the decade we are going to have a-
4: such a fight on that podcast.
3: Cloud Atlas would be there for me and I highly recommend the top it. 250 movies of all time <laughs> keeping in mind that the world will soon end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we should spend the rest of the time we have trying to just create that list. Stop making <laughs> yeah. stuff, um, movies. More movies. Mm-hmm. And just, just try sort of try and put of gather in the, the right order. Yeah. 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 sort
0: of order them and structure them. I like that. you <laughs> we turned into Mr. Smith here. Everything <laughs> has its place. Um, this isn't a movie. It's a television show. Everything must exist in 1999. And yeah. no more films are made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I ran into a bit of trouble when I tried to classify Twin Peaks The Return. <laughs>
4: oh,
0: um Alright then, so if people are looking for a bit more grace, a bit more Alex in their lives, where can they find you guys online?
4: I am on Twitter and letterboxed at Pixie Grace.
0: Um, I'm
1: on Twitter uh, as well. I run a podcast called When Irish Eyes Are Watching, where we watch Irish films and sort of chat about them. And uh, if you Google that, I'm sure you can find it.
0: Great. i include in the show notes as well, yeah. Uh, you had some really great guests on there as well. Yeah, uh,
1: we've got a few more now that um, basically we all got new jobs that aren't going to be as intense. Oh, nice. So more Good. time for podcasts. There,
0: yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and Andrew?
3: Uh, yes, you can find me on AQUINNIUQA. Uh, AQUINIUQA.
0: Um St. Thomas of AQUINIUQA. <laughs> very, very
3: good. Um,
0: but yeah, you can follow me at Darren underscore Money. You can follow the podcast at Ather 250 You can listen to us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and iTunes, wherever good podcasts, and sometimes not so good podcasts, are sold or distributed. Um, if you like yeah, us, tell sold. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> if you We're not part that, of the system. yeah. Them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, we we've unplugged, unfortunately. You know, there's
1: a, a thing called it's uh, something Basil... Rocco's Basilisk. you ever oh, hear yes! that? Yes. Where um, if you like praise the machines and the robots when they take over, they'll go like easy on you. So maybe we should just give a shout out to like the coming AI what? centrality that we'll. We love our lives. you guys. Yeah. Well, actually, the, uh,
3: uh, ro-
0: the robot basilica. Uh, Rocco Basilisk is like, Rocco Basilisk. Ro- yeah. Rocco's Basilisk. This is no. This is this is this is even like. Alex makes it sound weird. It is huge. True. It is. No, no, it is. It is weirder than that, right? What makes it completely off the wall insane, right? Is this idea that logically, right? Assuming that like there's an artificial intelligence and assuming that it takes control of the world in the style of the Matrix and the Terminator films or whatever, right? Terminator. It, well, whichever one you want to choose (laughs) my preferred um, robot apocalypse but assuming that takes control of the world it will run simulations and those simulations will be models that will determine whether or not human beings will be sympathetic to it so it is we're
4: all gonna die
0: statistically (laughs) speaking given that the odds of like it can run an infinite number of simulations in the space of a single second and has unlimited processing power the odds of you being in a simulation are far 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 superior then the odds of you not being in a simulation or you being the real version of you. So using that logic, it is highly probable that the machine is running a simulation to determine whether or not you would be helpful or beneficial to it uh, in its plan to either take over the world and enslave mankind, whatever it's going to do, right? It
4: does sound like capitalism, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? So,
0: So here we go. This is where Rocco's Basilisk comes in, right? The idea is realizing... That you are not you, but in fact a simulation of you that is being run by an AI to determine you're the real you's fate. You have a moral obligation to the real you to do everything in your power to help that artificial intelligence to come into existence. Mm. To prove that the real version of you is worth keeping alive and not worth suffering or tormenting. So and it's
4: definitely like torment as opposed to just flat out death because that sounds like a lot of effort um, mm-hmm.
0: but yeah the, the idea is that yeah the idea and is like, like
4: you know what if it's my time give me the sweet release well I mean there's,
0: there's also the possibility that the machine can run an infinite array of versions of you that it would torture for all eternity as well so Hooray! the stakes are, stakes are somewhat higher than that as well but it just be it's like,
4: just like a biblical version <laughs> by another name like do this or you're going to hell or like, you'll uh, suffer forever this,
3: <laughs> is like, this is like a rationalist atheist version of God and hell and heaven yes. and stuff. it's just a variation of the pain suffering and torture that <laughs> is currently yeah i mean have we, andrew we, makes a solid point we, we, we talked about this we talked about this on the arrival podcast a bit as well
0: but you know yet, so, what
4: i'm used to suffering i live it every day but like
0: you you want to know what's completely insane about this the rationalist community when this came to light they had a meltdown over it right because the mere fact of me telling you this the mere fact of me mentioning this to uh, well Alex mentioning it to Grace and to Andrew and me explaining it to Grace and Andrew That's and the listeners and,
3: right? and the
0: listeners who are hearing this being pumped directly into their brains their your brain is now thinking about this right it's which not. means the machine <laughs> which means the machine that is modeling you is now gauging your reaction to that idea so when you're hearing this idea you have to be receptive to it because if you're not the version of you will be tortured for all eternity which
3: our listeners are asleep though <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's also- just my my brain is thinking about Keanu Reeves so how is the machine going to interpret (laughs) Um,
0: that there's a little you you saw the movie it's where Mouse has the little pinup of Keanu of the the lady in red except it's Keanu in like a red speedo no 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 Um, it's just
4: Keanu in point break freeze frame (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: freeze frame Um, but yes, so Rocco's Basilisk it's completely insane off the wall and may have doomed all of our listeners for all eternity so thank you for that Alex not a problem this is like a uh, fancy
4: version of I lost the game where as soon as you remember you're playing the exactly. game you lose the game yeah. Yeah.
0: but yes so we'll be back next week where hopefully we'll be discussing The Sixth Sense with a bit of luck with uh, the wonderful Joe Griffin uh, but until then take it easy guys bye. Thanks. bye
4: bye
3: thank you guys thank you so much that was Welcome. great.